What's up, everything? Well, the blues suck, so let's get started and let's put down those knives. Welcome back, everyone. This is a mournful edition of the Two Guys No Cup podcast. My name is Stephen Ground. I'm here with Ian Peters. How are you, Ian? I'm feeling a sickness coming on. <laughs> oh, good. And I blame the blues. Good, good. Uh, yeah, well, if anyone has watched the blues this week, they likely are sick to their stomachs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has been one of the genuinely worst weeks in Blues hockey just from a performance standpoint that I can remember from quite a while. And it makes me long for the days of that Canadian road trip that we thought was the end of the world back <laughs> It's just the getting worse. Um, we are going to cover a lot of things today, as I usually say in the preview, but uh, we didn't this time. Uh, we've got some league news, uh, some Blues news, obviously the... Uh, game recaps for the three games this week, and then we are going to do, uh, as it is January, and that is the time for such things, we're going to do a State of the Plunion report, <laughs> which is very easy to say. Um, so that will be towards the end. Uh, we'll try to be a little more organized in our thinking than we have been in previous uh, depressing episodes <laughs> where we just ranted and raved. Um, we've got a little more of a focus this time, uh, but who knows? As listeners of this podcast certainly know, we can go off the tracks at a moment. <laughs> so, um, do you have? How's your week been other than the blues? Is there anything good in life? Anything good? Uh, I don't know. It's that post post uh, holiday depression. The I think malaise, everyone yeah. at work doesn't want to do anything. Uh-huh. I don't want to really. Watch the Blues lose. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get better at Tekken. I'm, I'm getting close. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of combos. Playing a lot of Fortnite. A lot of Fortnite. That's fun. I, you won. I won a solo game the other day, with, and I killed one person, the last person. I told you. you just, <laughs> did you just hide the whole time? Oh, yeah. That's what you got to do. Move along the coastline, find a gold scar. We're already off the tracks. <laughs> We're two minutes in. Uh, so now you've got a preview of what this whole episode is going to be like. And on top of everything else, when this ends, we'll be iced in. It'll be ice Mageddon in the streets. <laughs> so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, let's get started with some league news. Uh, we'll start with the news that broke yesterday evening. Uh, Anthony Duclair, the young forward formerly of the Arizona Coyotes, who had requested a trade, as we talked about last week, I believe, or the week before, mm. um, has been traded, of course, uh, to the Chicago Blackhawks. Because why not just add just a little more youth and and promise to that team? They need more scoring threats on the Blackhawks. Uh, and they also needed yet another trade that bailed them out of a bad contract. <laughs> so Anthony Duclair has been sent, uh, along with Adam Quinn Denning, to the Blackhawks in exchange for Richard Panic and Loren Dauphin. Uh, <laughs> Dauphin, or Dauphin, if you're, you know, Dolphin. from s- southern St. Louis County or someplace. <laughs> Loren um, Dauphin. <laughs> uh, he is the player that the... Uh, 
actually the Coyotes drafted uh, very early in the second round, I think in 2013 or 14, maybe 2015. 2013 seems like a long time ago. Um, <laughs> but he uh, is a player they sent to uh, Chicago this past summer in the trade for Nicholas Jarmelson, so they must have liked him a lot uh, because they got him back uh, as the return for Duquair, because obviously that team's done a great job of drafting and developing so far, uh, so they need to keep all the prospects <laughs> they can. Um, from Hockey's Future, which is a website that evaluates these things, uh, they say, Dauphin will begin his pro career uh, in 2015-16, uh, so maybe it was 2013, after a successful three-year junior career in, oh goodness, Chickatoomy, or Chickatimi, <laughs> some Canadian Close city enough. I can't pronounce, uh, serving as the team captain last season. Uh, though he is still young enough to spend an uh, overage season in the QMJHL, bearing any, barring any surprises, he will start the season with the Springfield Falcons in the AHL. Dolphin needs more time to add the strength and bulk necessary to compete at the NHL level and get acclimated to the skill level and speed of the pro game. His play to this point suggests he projects to one day being a successful two-way forward who can play a variety of roles. Uh, it's very difficult to read long blocks of 12-point font <laughs> when it's separated from you by a pop guard and a microphone. <laughs> so sorry for the stumbles there. Um what do you think about this trade? Obviously, you can touch on the uh, the pa- the panic aspect of this, which I have yet to mention. But um, oh, I thought you were saying we're panicked about this trade, I'm and not, I was like, I I'm not really. Yeah. <laughs> I see what you're saying. The guy, the player. Yeah, um, yeah. Richard Panic going back the other way, along like you said with Dufan. Um, panic, I think, did pretty well for the Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. At least last year, he did as kind of a plug, a little bit, a good plug. We'll give him that. I don't know of the stats right on hand, but I'm sure you're looking them up now. Because I, I, he did. Am I that predictable? You're that. Pre- <laughs> if you could, please. I know he did really well at the beginning of last season with them, and so I think Arizona's getting a player they can count on. I don't know. Mm. That feels like they got a lot of those where they're not really stars, but like a guy you can count on. Yeah. Um, I think the bigger story here to me is that basically this trade, along with the trade for Yarmolson, comes out to. Arizona getting Yarmolson and Panic and Panic, and then Chicago getting Murphy and Duclair. Mm-hmm. Murphy is doing really well in Chicago this year. Yeah, and then I guess they also got I guess um, they also got Clendenning, yeah, but he might but be in the minors and he's less he's than a million. A body to even out the rosters. Yeah. So Yarmolson was four million dollars. Panic was two point eight, and then Murphy is four million and Duclair is one point two. So that adds up to about one point eight million. And cap space, Chicago mm-hmm. saves from both those trades, and they get younger, and they're uh, cost-effective. I think they're both. I know that uh, Duclair at least is RFA in the summer, mm-hmm. so that's another thing going the Blackhawks' way. Yeah, I don't want to say they fleeced them or anything. These aren't like amazing players, but they did manage to kind of slowly back their mm-hmm. way out of a corner with this. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how Stan Bowman like yeah. rigs the headsets for the other GMs' <laughs> phone lines to have like I don't know if it's laughing gas or just like <laughs> some serum that makes them agree with him. Uh, I heard Panic's contract currently is uh, two years. Well, this year and next year at two point eight million. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of 
balked at when he signed it. Um, but as you mentioned, he played 82 games last year and recorded 44 points. So, yeah, um, not terrible. Which is fine for a third-line type of guy. And this year so far he's played in 37 games and has 16 points, uh, which is also not even bad. He mm-hmm. was a plus 14 last year. He's still a plus 3 this year. Um I've heard his contract described as irksome. It's certainly not uh, in the neighborhood of some of the truly bad contracts that Chicago has dumped off on other teams. Uh, and this was a situation where Arizona, was their hand was kind of forced with Duclair publicly mm-hmm. uh, wanting out. So uh, not the end of the world, but um, Stan Bowman does seem to be a, a wizard when it comes to trade negotiations, especially in terms of dumping salary. Mm. And that would be a skill I'd like to see Doug Armstrong <laughs> learn from his division rival, uh, especially in the coming Yeah, one thing and- to dump on the Blackhawks with real quick, which is always fun, is that within this last week they scratched, um, not Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook. They scratched mm-hmm. Brent Seabrook for at least a game, and that guy's making 6.85, I believe, for the next, like, five or six years yeah so anyways i can't wait because you know what's happening like we just talked about i can't wait to see who they dump brent seabrook on oh because the 6.85 the the (laughs) 6.85 is his cap hit yeah and so for those teams that have a huge amount of cap space they're willing to fit them in because what they're really paying them in some of those later years is like a million bucks yeah so i can't wait for him to be what carolina hurricane yeah probably that seems about right he hasn't bailed out uh, Bowman in a couple yeah. of years. Enjoy Seabrook. Um, so, uh, moving on to the next topic of discussion, uh, the NHL All Star Game, which I know you, as uh, loyal hockey fans, are all very excited about, uh, will be contested. <laughs> I don't even know. Was it the twenty eighth? It's sometime, um, and the rosters News were announced uh, this past. A week earlier this week. Yes, 27th and 28th. Look at me. I knew a thing. There you um, go. And we'll just quickly kind of discuss uh, the team rosters and note any standouts or maybe surprises. Uh, the Atlantic Division sees goalies Andre Vasilevsky, who is a front runner for the Vesna, and Carey Price, who is a front runner for being one of the best goalies of all time. <laughs> um, and then defenders, uh, Eric Carlson, Victor Hedman, uh, Mike Green. Mike Green's having a really nice resurgence season with the Red Wings. I'm kind of happy for that because mm-hmm. he was uh, a top player for a long time and sort of took a be- step back when he signed there. And then forward, Steven Stamkos uh, of the Lightning, obviously, Austin Matthews. Of the Maple Leafs, Brad Marchand of the Bruins, Nikita Kucherov of the Lightning, Jack Eichel, and Alexander Barkov. Uh, I wouldn't say there are any surprises on that list. Um, One of the rules, and this will become important when we discuss um, the uh, Blues selections, is that every team has to have a representative. Mm -hmm. So if you see a guy like Mike Green where you're like, eh, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) maybe not, uh, because he only has 24 points right now. The yeah. Red Wings aren't great, and they have to have somebody. So, <laughs> um, the Metro Division sees uh, is sending goalies Henrik Lundqvist and Braden Holtby of the Rangers and Capitals. Uh, Chris Latang, Chris Latang, Seth Jones, and Noah Hannafin are the defensive representatives, which is an interesting split between a very old, experienced guy <laughs> and two young guys. Uh, apparently, it's Seth Jones' second straight trip, though. 
Um, John Tavares and Alex Ovechkin, Taylor Hall, Claude Giroux, Sidney Crosby, and surprisingly, Josh Bailey of the New York Islanders oh, got yeah. a round out. He's having a nuts year. He's having a great year, but I'm kind of surprised that they have two selections, I guess. Uh, but good for them. Uh, good for the Islanders. They're doing well this year. I shouldn't. I should not frown on them. Uh, the, the Pacific Division, uh, Jonathan Quick and Mark andre Fleury of the uh, Los Angeles Kings and Vegas Golden Knights. Um, Oliver Ekman-Larsen is the uh, aforementioned obligatory coyote. <laughs> uh, the Drew Doughty and Brent Burns are the other two defenders uh, from the Kings and Sharks. Then we have Ricard Raquel who's one of my boys. I I like that he's there from the uh, Ducks. <laughs> I think he's there because he's the only Duck healthy enough to attend. Probably. Um, but in any case, uh, James Neal of the Knights, Connor McDavid, uh, some kid from somewhere, <laughs> Anzi Kopitar, Johnny Gaudreau, and Brock Besser in his uh, rookie season. Is he going to be going to be rookie of the year? Yeah, I'm surprised. I so like think. maybe he won't be injured then. Yeah. I know he's out injured. So yeah, that's true. Hopefully he's back healthy. Um, great, great group from that. Those teams, I think, kind of Raquel and I mean Besser. I don't know that anybody came into the year projecting it, but mm-hmm. it's kind of cool. Uh, I really love seeing the Vegas Knights have two selections. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I mean that's the the whole they team. deserve that it. store is just awesome, um, and then finally the central division uh, Pekarene of the Predators and Connor Hellebuck of the Jets are the two goalies. Hellebuck's having a hell of a year. If you all out the <laughs> so fun. easy. Uh, PK Subban, uh, the Blues are sending Alex Petrangelo, and the Stars are sending John Klingberg. Um, the Stars are also sending Tyler Sagan, along with Blake Wheeler of the Jets, Eric Stahl of the Wild, Braden Shin of the Blues, uh, Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche, and Patrick Kane of the <laughs> Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, so the little bit of controversy here, uh, f- as far as the Blues are concerned, is of course the fact that uh, Vladimir Tarasenko is not going, uh, whereas... Um, Braden Shin is going. I would say this is not that much of a surprise. I think the reality is that if Jaden Schwartz were healthy, neither of these guys would mm-hmm. be going, and Jaden Schwartz would be. Uh, you can't have, I mean, you no team has, I don't think, three representatives. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an honor to have two, uh, and obviously only the Stars, I think, all, oh, and the Jets, because they have a goalie, also have two. Um, in that division, but uh, yeah, do you do you see? I mean, there's controversy because Tarasenko's got the bigger name, mm-hmm. and if you want, I can, I sort I sort of see the argument since it's a spectacle anyway. Get the biggest names in the sport yeah, yeah. there, but I also see the argument for give it to the guys that earn it. You know, I mean, I think th- the baseball All Star Game is far and away the biggest. Of the all-star games, you know, when they give it to the people that earn it in a given season, then it's not always just the big stars. So you see any controversy or have any problem there? No, not really. I just think it's interesting that Braden Shen, it makes sense Mm -hmm. for sure. It feels funny from that it's his first year with the Blues. Yeah. So Petrangelo there... Is fine too, but it's weird if it had just been Braden Shen. Yeah. Like I said, I'd be fine, but I'd be like, this is kind of odd. Mm-hmm. One point I saw someone, I can't remember if it's Jeremy Rutherford or someone else make, though, that I thought was kind of a good point was that, you know, as much 
as much as the all-star game functions to kind of tell the story of the season mm-hmm. and reward, you know, new faces, then Shin kind of makes sense as a guy who is dumped by true the not dumped, but, you know, basically dumped off by the fires and has this huge explosive season. Uh, with the Blues, he's kind of a cooler story than Tarasenko, who's True. been there the last two years. Um, and then Tarasenko and Sh- I think this is probably the biggest factor. Uh, Tarasenko and Shin both currently have 44 points, uh, but when this voting was wrapping up, I assume is about when Tarasenko was in the height of his slump. Uh, and so I kind of imagine that that had uh, a weight in the voters' minds. Um, but with that said, uh, we will move on to more important news because <laughs> the all-star game I, I i watch it usually i pay a little attention and it's fun i think I the kind, skills is more i kind of appreciate that they're willing to be like okay this is goofy it's mm-hmm. not like the baseball all-star game by comparison especially when they were doing the it counts stuff which they don't nonsense. do that anymore no that that's stopped very last good year and it was a lot more fun to watch um but I do appreciate all-star games that are like, oh, yeah, this is like a, a celebration of the sport and the stars more than it is like a serious yeah. thing. Um, so uh, the last thing we have to cover is the conclusion of the World Juniors t- Tournament, which you have been doing excellent coverage of. So why don't you take that away? Yeah. W- all the way away. <laughs> all the, uh, the World Juniors concluded last Friday. And there was a finals game played that night between Canada and Sweden, where Canada beat Sweden 3-1 to in the finals to win gold in the tournament. Kind of predicted, I believe, that Canada was going to be the team to beat. Sweden also looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. I know they, were, they had some big players on that team, but I think Canada was still the favorite in that. And then on the same night, the USA played the Czech Republic and beat the Czech 9-3. to So kind of also what we thought was going to happen. You thought maybe the little Czech would be able to squeak one out and get a bronze, but... Like we mentioned before, USA was super angry about losing and getting knocked down that far by Sweden anyways. So they got the bronze medal in that. So we have the three Blues prospects because I forgot about Nikolai Craig Christensen. I believe he had a goal and a assist Mm -hmm. for Denmark. So there you go. We didn't forget about him. Nor could we ever. (laughs) I want him to be a star. I mean, I know he won't be, but that name's great. We're going to forget all about him in about a week. So we got the big three, Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, and Clem Costin. For their final stats here, uh, Jordan Cairo in his seven games played had three goals, seven assists, and ten points, was a plus two, and had 15 shots on goal. Uh, his ten points tied him for second in points across the whole tournament. Mm-hmm. Robert Thomas had seven games played, one goal, five assists, and six points, was a plus two, and had nine shots on goal. And those six points tied him for sixth across the entire tournament. And then Clem Costin, I think he might have been the big surprise of the three of them, I think. I knew he was going to play pretty well, but I think he played outstanding. Yeah, um, agreed. He only had five games played because Russia got eliminated in the quarters, but he had five goals in those five games. Good, down with the Reds. Yeah, <laughs> three assists and eight points, was a plus seven, and had 15 shots on goal, and his uh, eight points tied him for third in the cross-hole tournament. So I think that was actually probably the most impressive feat. Not yeah, to take third with less games. Yeah, not to take anything away from Kairu or Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, Kairu looked real amazing throughout this whole tournament. You can look up huge uh, video packages on highlights he had throughout the tournament. He looked like somebody that I think is a little more ready for the NHL than I thought he was. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was second year in juniors going back, and it felt kind of like maybe he needed it. 
And maybe he did, and maybe he just improved that much. But I think he's a player that maybe next year pushes for an NHL spot versus just sits in the AHL for a year. Yeah. Or at very least, it's kind of like a Thompson call-up, gets called up and kind of sticks, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of deal. Uh, Robert Thomas, I'd love him to be here next year. He is still 18. I think he's going to have to take a year in the AHL at least mm-hmm. just to acclimate himself. Nope. Nope. nope, not Number at all. Number one center next year. <laughs> He's got to be. We'll, we'll talk about where we think we're going to put these guys uh, down the lineup, I think maybe next episode mm-hmm. when we have a little bit more time. Um, there is Sweden took the silver, as we sort of mentioned, with Canada taking the gold. There was a little bit and of... It was uh, very uneventful. Yeah, there was a little <laughs> bit of a controversy there. Uh, Elias Anderson, who was a New York Rangers first-round draft pick in 2017 and captain of the Swedish team in the World Juniors. Was this the pick they got from Arizona? Yeah, for the okay. Stepan trade, is that right? Uh-huh. Yep. Stepan and Ranta for mm-hmm. this guy and the defender. So he was uh, the Swedish captain. He was awarded the silver medal around his neck. He uh, skated off with it, took it off from around his neck, skated over to the glass, and tossed it into the crowd. And when I first saw this, I thought maybe... It was him tossing it to a, a girlfriend or a, a family member, but it really it was a large man in the USA jersey who proceeded to just put it around his neck, <laughs> which I thought looked fantastic. Uh, um, Anderson said he did this because, as he quoted, the fans wanted it more. Mm. He said losing was a big part of his frustration. And I had some mixed feelings about this, but I did see a quote that I thought was pretty good at doing maybe more of a defensive this move. Uh, it's from Corey Hirsch, who used to be, I believe, the Blues goalie coach a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I think he played for us, actually, for a little bit of time. But he's now currently a desk analyst for Sportsnet up in Canada. He said, he tweeted out, he said, I would like Lias Anderson on my team any day. I played with his dad in Nashville, one of the kindest people ever. Love that he showed some passion. And then he quotes Ricky Bobby by saying, if you ain't first, you're last. And then he proceeds to tweet... As media, we complain that our athletes use cliches and show no personality. But then when they do show their human side with emotion and personality, we throw them under the bus. Which I thought was an interesting quote. And I think kind of true. Yeah, I think I'm warming to this. I at first was kind of disgusted by it because... That's how I felt initially, on, on too. On the one hand, yes, if you ain't first, you're last. On the other hand, you were second yeah. in the world. <laughs> But another thing, I mean, I think I think this is just a general thing we forget in sports. It's like because of where athletes are in terms of prominence and culture, we forget that especially in this case, this kid's 18 or 19, you mm-hmm. know. All of these kids were 18 or 19. So even if it's a boneheaded decision, which maybe it is, you know, he's an 18 or 19-year, a lot of 18 or 19-year-olds are making boneheaded decisions. Mm-hmm. They're just not on international TV <laughs> when they do it, you know. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I would imagine that at some point he might regret it, you know, and I hope hopefully he gets or they get him another silver medal or something. I think he like, got it back, yeah. Yeah, but I kind of, I, I will say by comparison that if a blue showed that kind of fire right now, I'd be stoked. You <laughs> yeah. know, so like if somebody was that angry, other than just the, oh, I screwed up on this play, let me like smack my stick on the goalpost. You know, if mm-hmm. somebody like javelin their stick across the ice or something, that'd be awesome. <laughs> so I am kind of warming to it. I see both sides. And like I said, I, I was originally on the, oh, he's an amateur 
yeah. D-bag side. And they're still part of that. I mean, that's the reality. Mm-hmm. But he's an 18-year-old, too. So yeah, but I, I didn't want to hijack your conversation no, no, I'm, there. No, I was going to say I'm right with you there. That's kind of how I felt initially. I was like, you know, why is he going and doing this? He needs to be, you know. I hate sometimes I hate using the word respect, but he needs to respect the you know the ceremony and mm-hmm. the game a little more. But I think you're right, and after reading a few people uh, defend a little more, and I think you hit the nail on the head with the Blues stinking the way they have and just looking lifeless. I think it happened at the right time mm-hmm. where I'm like, you know what? I wish we would look anything yeah. like this. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it kind of made me warm up to it a little bit. To go along with uh, some of this junior talk, though. We had mentioned Costin. Uh, Costin either during the World Juniors mm-hmm. or uh, right before was interviewed by a uh, Russian interviewer for, I believe, a newspaper, Alexei Shevchenko. They love their Chenkos over there. <laughs> and he asked uh, Klim about a, a number of hop- hockey topics. And so I have a few here written down because I think that they uh, related to the Blues a lot more or related you know, directly to us in our discussions. And so I kind of yeah. wanted to... Uh, Run them by you. We can run them sort of one at a time. It's not a bunch of them. And just sort of get your thoughts on them. So first, uh, Alexi asked Clem, uh, it's been said that your NHL debut will depend on whether you play well in the World Junior Championships. And then Clem said, yes, if I played well in the tournament, I've been promised to play in St. Louis. Which is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I'm going to guess it's a lost some... in translation. Uh-huh. I forget... Uh... Sometimes the facial expressions don't come across <laughs> over podcasts. Uh, yeah, I think we talked about this a little bit during the week earlier. There's a good chance it's lost in translation. With that said, um, this might be a good time to call them up if you were going to. Mm-hmm. Because, first of all, the team's struggling so bad that he can only... like. Either he's a positive or he sucks like everybody mm. else sucks. You know, it's not going to be like, oh, he's really like a blight out yeah. there, you know. Uh, but also he's as hot as he's been, you know, since returning from the injury that, you know, knocked him back in the draft. Um, with that said, I don't expect him to be called up necessarily, but I think it's kind of interesting. And hopeful. I mean, I, I certainly hope if there was any sort of promise made that he comes up because he couldn't have played much better in the juniors. You yeah, know? I was like, that's about <laughs> as good as you can do without winning the whole damn mm-hmm. thing. Uh, and that's not his fault. Yeah, I know. The rest of his team sucked. <laughs> so. yeah. Let's see. The next question he got was, lately you don't have a lot of minutes in the AHL, said Alexi, and also haven't had the best stats, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is great. That's just a... A prying question. Uh-huh. And Akasin replied with, I'm ready to explain what's going on. <laughs> the fact is the Blues don't have their own farm team. San Antonio is now primarily helping the Colorado Avalanche. And at the start of the season, I was playing many minutes and had good stats. But then the Avalanche assigned some players, and I have been moved down in the depth chart. I don't play on the power play now. Nothing strange. Which seems like he knows an awful lot about the Blues situation, probably more than some fans do. Yeah. Which I just thought was kind of refreshing. Also, the fact that he says nothing strange. So, like, he's just like, this is, I get it. I'm just going to get moved down for now. Yeah, I appreciate, like you said, his knowledge of the situation and definitely his willingness to roll with the punches. Uh, But honestly, that's another compelling reason to consider a Mm call-up. Because if you really value this guy and he's not getting playing time, like, 
if you want him to grow in the AHL, he's going to grow by getting power play time and like first line minutes. Yeah. If he's not getting that, then maybe he's better served serving a second line role up here for now and getting some power play time. You know, true. Again, not hedging my bets on it or not. You know. Mm-hmm counting my chickens or whatever but that is another thing to consider whereas like Cairo and thomas are both given pivotal roles in the juniors since we can't control the ahl this year it is something to consider that's true and i'm with you it'd be interesting to see him up here i just don't know exactly where he fits i don't know who we set necessarily oh i mean i know who we'd set we should sit lots of different people mm. but i don't know who, <laughs> who would actually team. yeah who would actually be sat yeah uh, Lexi asks him about the draft. He says, at the draft, you drop down to the 31st pick. But it's not bad in the end. <laughs> and then Costin said, some strange story happened. The Tampa Bay Lightning wanted to pick me. They even promised me that I would have been picked by them. But then talk, I then talked to the representatives of the Calgary Flames and the Boston Bruins, and they told me that if Tampa wouldn't pick me, they would do so. Which seems really interesting that they all just dropped by him. I'd love to know what their picks were instead, but... I'm not entirely sure. I guess if it was just an injury scare, a Russian scare, maybe I, too. Yeah, I'm curious when they said they were going to do this. Yeah. You know, if was it this was at, like the draft? at the draft? Because yeah. if so, probably that's not. very strange. Yeah. Was he there that night? I think so. I think he was I think there. He walked right? up. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. I mean, like you said, if it's happened at the draft, very odd. If it happened two months before the draft, then yeah, I get it. They just came up with a different plan. Who were the teams? The Lightning it was were the, one? The Lightning, the Flames, and the Bruins. Let's find out together, shall we? While you're looking, he uh, said he got no explanation. I frankly think those teams already determined their candidates and didn't want to change their plans. Mm-hmm. So the Lightning drafted Callan Foote at 14. Pretty good, That's good prodigy name there. Obviously the son of uh, the other Foot. Who? What's his first Adam? name? Adam Foot. I think yes, so. Thank you. I just blanked on that. Uh, they Who was Bruins was another yep. one. Uh, they chose Urho <laughs> Vakanen. <laughs> Your thank voice. you, Finland. <laughs> Urho uh, Vakanainen or something, uh, a Finnish name. I'm sorry. I'll get it when he comes up, but I can't be. <laughs> There's like 20, 22% syllable. No one can hold you accountable for such or, a name. Yeah. <laughs> There's like 22% continent, consonants in that name. It's all vowels. Um, and then uh, <laughs> the, flames. the Flames picked, I want to say, was were they Yamamoto? No, that was the Oilers. They were, oh God, it's another Finn. Yuso <laughs> uh, Valamaki, that one's easier. Yuso Valamaki of Finland. So I don't know if that's a situation where those guys fell to them that they didn't expect, mm-hmm. and or if he's... Uh, probably. You know, if maybe he's taking their, that could be another lost in translation thing where he's taking their strong interest as like, oh no, we're going to pick you, you know? But it's kind of interesting that those guys were talking about it in the 14... 16, 18 range, yeah. and then he still fell to 31. Yeah, you know? like we talked about, he was kind of valued almost as a top and 10 I, pick if he was healthy. Yeah, and I think I have heard, and uh, don't quote me on this, but I think I have heard that the Blues were very interested in picking him at 20, mm-hmm. uh, but they loved Robert Thomas a lot and, and picked him since he fell to them. But, yeah, so, I mean, it's not like this guy was a hidden... Jim necessarily. It was one of the top talked about stories at the draft because of the injury, but that yeah. is an interesting part. When they were talking to him, when Alexi was talking to Costin about 
who was looking at picking him, he also ends his comment when he said those teams determined that they wanted other candidates and changed plans. He also ends that comment with, and all those talks. Mm-hmm. And then Alexi says, what talks? And Costner replies with, that my age was rewritten. Even during the draft, I've been asked about my age. And Alexi says, well, you can tell me your secret age now. <laughs> Clem responds, I was born on May 5th, 1999, which is ridiculous, just to think about. Yeah. But these people are that young. He says, my age was never rewritten. I underwent a complete... We're going to start ex- having those double zeros. <laughs> oh, <there>. yeah. <laughs> he goes, I went, underwent a complete examination, which makes me wonder like if they cut you open like a tree. <laughs> I was say, did they cut his leg off and <laughs> check them? How many rings he has. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how... I, we won't get into how you know how mm. an 18-year-old boy is an 18-year-old boy. Uh, people went to my hometown, Penza, gathered all the documents. All is in good order, but somewhat... But somewhat, this history appeared again during the draft, and maybe it had its role. So maybe people thought he was 19? I don't know how that makes cares? sense. Like, yeah, unless he's 27, who <laughs> I, I was like, where they're like, where were you when, like, the wall fell? At this point, and can't you, like, like <laughs> trace back his... I was with my child. ...like, hockey history, you know? Yeah, I, mean, I don't I'm, know how that matters. I don't know. It's not like... The hockey development in Russia is super below the radar or whatever. Was that good for juniors? Like, he could just be lied into juniors and just light them up as a 20-year-old? we didn't even do that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, They got two more here. So, Alexi asks, St. Louis isn't a bad team to get to. (laughs) (laughs) I I imagine him or her. I don't know if it's a male Alexi or female, but uh, I like them saying, it's not a bad team. He says, though, literally the next sentence is, they have many holes in the roster. (laughs) Which I get is probably like a translation like you can make it on this Uh team. And Clem says, he's got a lot of like uh, sort of mature responses here, I think. He says, well, can I at my age discuss these things? Whatever opinion I have on the Blues roster, I'm a young player and I have to deserve a place on this team. I want to get a chance and I'm working hard to get it. And then they end end this conversation with, uh, at your young age, sometimes it's easy to feel yourself a superstar. And Clem responds with, With such a father, it's not possible. He helps me a lot. He does everything the right way. But if you listen to him, I never have a good game. I know that sometimes I play well, but I'm still far from being ideal. <laughs> Sounds like he has one of those classic, stereotypical, warm Russian father yeah. figures. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I've ever heard anything mean necessarily about Tarasenko's dad or even his grandpa, but I know that He's very close with both of them, especially mm-hmm. his grandpa. So this might be in that same vein. Maybe yeah. that's true of a lot of Russians. I'm not entirely Maybe, sure. Yeah, because wasn't Tarasenko, I mean, his dad is a coach and everything. Yeah. But I feel like he has a close relationship with his grandfather, too. Yeah. So. I think because his dad played in the KHL, and so he's kind of yeah. gone for a good yeah. chunk of the year. So his grandpa raised him a lot. But those were just interesting uh Asides from yeah, Kostin, I absolutely. think, like we said, a lot kind of gets lost in translation, but it's nice to kind of hear that a guy that we, I don't want to say he's being mishandled, but we know that he's kind of buried down there a little uh, bit, that he understands the situation. Yeah. I it, think there's a lot of players that might not, and maybe rightfully so. Especially with the maybe the translation gap and everything, mm-hmm. you know. I think you make the good point that he just sounds generally very mature overall. Yeah. So don't worry, he's still going to be here. He's not jumping ship just yet. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Uh, so that concludes our World Junior discussion for the year, Ever. I suppose. <laughs> uh, I'm sure we'll get back into it next year if you all are still 
uh, tolerating at that <laughs> point. Um, just a little bit of blues news before we get into the uh, dark period. Um, <laughs> Jake Wallman was recalled earlier this week, played zero games, and then was reassigned to the AHL. Uh, the playing zero games, I can't explain. The reassignment, uh, we assume several players, including him and uh, Dunn and uh, Thompson and Barbashev. Yeah. <laughs> My brain is broken. Uh, they were all reassigned yesterday uh, with the assumption that they'll just get playing time while the boys are on a week's mm-hmm. uh, break. So um, I think that's good for Thompson because he's looked really good. Yeah. Him and Barbashev, and then good for Dunn because he's been out yeah, those last couple games. Sure. Whether we see Wallman come back up or not uh, remains to be seen. Trade now that bait. Dunn's healthy, but yeah, maybe we gotta we gotta convince people like he's NHL ready. We're not gonna play. We gotta him, put that chum in the waters. Um, Sammy Boy was also sent back down uh, more permanently. I assume, I mean, not permanently, but for a longer stint. Uh, but he got two goals and an assist in his return to the Rampage, which is cool, uh, which was a 4-3 loss. So he did everything he could, uh, <laughs> but they still lost. And then uh, Pateri Lindbaum, uh, Blue's kind of fringe 7th, 8th defenseman for a few years now, uh, had season-ending shoulder surgery, so he will not be a healthy scratch this year. Um, so moving on now to the main event of the evening, if you will. Uh, the Blues had three games this week, and they were all terrible in some unique sort of way. Mm-hmm. I think we're finding different ways to lose. Yeah, that's, that's the really theme. the theme of the Blues lately, is you talk about finding a way to win, well, this team finds a way to lose. <laughs> um the way they lost in Philadelphia was just general terribleness and laziness. Real straightforward. Um, yeah, this was a, a noon Central Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time start on Saturday. That we weren't prepared uh, for. And that was the like, going line, was that we weren't <laughs> prepared for it. And I don't know what that means or how you could not be because you're a professional hockey player, but that was the story. Uh, <laughs> Scott Lawton potted an unassisted goal two minutes and 15 seconds in. Um, this was Yori Laterra's line, and they were just talking about how he'd done nothing. And he actually did nothing on this play either, <laughs> but it was kind of one of those moments where you're like, shut up, shut up, don't say it, this is what he scores, <laughs> you know. Uh, but Tyler Goldborn, who I think was in his first NHL shift, was certainly on his first NHL game, uh went up to Alex Petrangelo, who was holding the puck, and just leveled him, laid him out, sent him yeah, flying. That's not a good look. Uh, no, not for your captain uh, to get flattened <laughs> by a literal rookie, like a first-game rookie. Uh, Lawton picked it up. Um, Allen had really poor positioning on the puck, which is maybe unexpect- uh, understandable because it was unexpected, um, but it was not a good look for him either of which is kind of a theme lately, <laughs> as we'll get into. Uh, and Lawton scored easily. Goldborn said, I just saw the puck underneath uh, Petrangelo's feet and tried to knock him over. I wasn't really worried about the puck there. I just wanted to get that first hit under me. Classic uh, high-skill player dialogue right there. <laughs> he did it. Um, Claude Giroux scored four minutes later. Uh and the game was over, basically. Um, Pareko kind of dived to block this one. The shot, shot bounced off him, off his rear end. 
uh, into the air and over Alan. It was weird enough that it wasn't really Alan's fault, but if mm-hmm. he'd seen the puck, it should have been easily stopped. So, uh, a change up. A those of you who up. are inclined to blame Jake Allen may do so, and those of you who are inclined to support him through thick and thin may say that one was on God or Congress <laughs> or whatever. Uh, kind of moving through goals quickly, Jordan Wheel scored with 832. Uh, expired in the second period, uh, and then Sean Couturier scored a little later. Um, the Couturier goal was just real ugly. Um, Pareko was miles behind the play, and Giroux and Couturier were skating in two-on-one on Bo Meester, who is just... We are not Bo Meester haters, but he has just not looked right, mm-hmm. uh, really, since returning from the injury. Uh, Bo Meester tried to go down to block the puck, um, but it gets in behind him, which I think, as you said, whether on Twitter or to me or maybe last podcast about another play, is just the ugliest That's thing That's the saddest thing to watch, <laughs> is defensemen go down... What might not even be too early, but yeah. just gets too much friction on the ice, and yeah. they're left behind uh-huh. on their stomach. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, Couturier got the puck from Giroux and uh, scored easily on Pareko. Um, Pareko did not even, he pulled up behind him, but didn't even so much as kind of reach after him, uh, which is one of a mounting series of <laughs> plays that I'll talk about in a little while with Pareko. Um, and what really caught my eye here is the guys just didn't look like they cared, like skating back this 4-0 deficit at yeah. this point. And they just looked totally disinterested. And I get it at that point. You're like, well, it's over. Yeah. But again, it's kind of that Lias Anderson thing where it's like, but if one of you wanted to like smash a stick into the board, I wouldn't <laughs> complain. Day yeah. games are so annoying, and I swear it, it always feels like teams don't care like yeah. somehow a day game doesn't count they're like oh this is like an exhibition game mm-hmm. and maybe other teams do look like they care but i swear when we play day games we never look like yeah. we care yeah even the ones we win we're like yeah, yeah. pretty much i wanted jay i wanted that classic jay bowmeister fire here uh but <laughs> hey uh after that uh ivan barbashev scored his first goal of the season assisted by stasny and tarasenko uh, Stastny and Barbie got in on a two-on-one, and Stastny got it to Barbashev on Elza's left, and he skated in, hold it, held it, and roofed it with a backhand. It was a really nice goal for Barbie, um, and it was good for him to finally show up, and he actually uh, would take this and go on a tear. He was pretty much the only bright spot for the Blues in this three-game stretch. Um mm. And I just think Paul Stastny has looked pretty good this year, even during this stretch, too. We'll talk about him a little later. Uh, he scored 12 seconds into this third period, uh, giving the giving Blues fans a little bit of false hope. Um, he uh, got it from Tarasenko, who held off two flyers very physically and backhanded it to Stastny, who hit an empty net. Very pretty goal, very nice way to start the period. Ultimately meant nothing. Uh, Simmons scored on the power play. Um, deflected it in. Pareko then scored a fairly meaningless goal that was uh, a wrister from the point that like kind of similar to the goal that went off him earlier just sort of floated weirdly into yeah, the net. Knuckleballer. I think it hit maybe a Flyers player or something. Um, and then Couturier scored the dagger me goal. Uh, that was on the empty net when they had, they had the puck in our zone we were six on five. The net was technically empty, although we had a body in front of it for, I want to say, 72 minutes. And then we <laughs> cleared it, 
kind of, and that's when they brought it back in and scored. Um, just an appropriate ending to this game. Um, and I thought uh, Darren Pang had a couple of quotes that really uh, described this game. Um, he said, the Blues were, clearly weren't ready for this 1 o'clock start here. They played a lot of hockey games, and I've not seen them as poorly I've not seen them be as poorly prepared for a hockey game as we've seen this afternoon. And then uh, also commenting on Jake Allen. Jake Allen's quite simply been hung out to dry here with this lackluster effort in front of him during the course of this afternoon game. I think both of those very adequately describe just how flat an effort this was mm-hmm. across the board. Um, did you have any comments before I kind of run through a couple of quotes and throw it to you to discuss the Capitals? Or No, this game just looked lifeless. I didn't catch a lot of it at the beginning there, but when I went back and looked at some of those goals, it was just we were prepared to lose, mm-hmm. I guess. Which we'll kind of talk about with the Capitals game. I, I was about to say it's fine. It's not fine. It's not fine if you're prepared to lose. But it's fine in the grand scheme of the season. Mm-hmm. If you're having a regular, we'll say, good season. Yeah. But we're having a pretty mediocre one, and this loss just compounds when they look disinterested. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. you can't be disinterested with your record. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's what annoyed me the most, is like, I don't think you understand that, like, slippage is happening. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, People, as we said, I think Pang said that the Blues weren't ready for the 1 p.m. Eastern start time. Mm-hmm. Just what does that mean? Like like you, like yeah. we've mentioned, I don't get that. And then Yo says, I think this was Mike Yo. I didn't actually note it, but I'm pretty sure it was him. Sounds like him. That can't, <laughs> that can't be an excuse for us. I think we're pros, and this is not like it's the first time that we played an afternoon game. Obviously, we'll have to be more pre- prepared tomorrow. Um, again, it can't be an excuse for us, but you're using it as one you know like yeah, why it's, it's it kind of the same as the schwartz thing where it's like no 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 we've got to play better without him but you're not yeah so like one or the other you know uh jeremy rutherford also defended uh jake allen a little bit he said goalie jake allen was back in the net for the first time in four games and he allowed five goals on 38 shots but the, this loss shouldn't be pinned on him he maybe could have done a better job on the flyers first goal which set the tone for the day but the club simply gave up too many odd man rushes specifically uh this is me now the blues gave up five <laughs> odd man rushes um Mike has said, I thought that we weren't tight in our game today. Uh, when we're on top of our game, we're right, and we're we're tight. We're in their face. We stop speed before it starts. Tonight, we just let them come at us. Um, I just think I think I have a little bit of a problem with that, too, because, like, is that our game now? Because we keep talking about now we're a speed team, mm-hmm. but then when the chips are down, everyone says, no, no, we're a big physical aggressive yeah. team. And I think it speaks to a point you made earlier in the year where it's like, I don't know, for one thing, if this team knows who they are. Mm-hmm. And certainly I think this t- is a team that kind of wants to play the big body game, but isn't as equipped to as they used to be. You yeah. know? Because even Tage Thompson's like a big person, but he's he's like a tall person, but he's yeah. not a big person, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Doesn't got that mass. Yeah, it was just a bad game overall. Um, Allen was at this point one and seven in his last eight appearances, and the Blues had scored just eleven goals in those game, um, and in 
And uh, Jeremy Rutherford noted, if you take out the three goals in his 3-1 victory over Vancouver, then you have just seven goals in his eight games. Uh, Allen wasn't the problem Saturday. Um, Barbashev looked good. Uh, Tarasenko looked at this point and continues to look like he's sort of back on form Mm -hmm. from his uh, five-on-five slump. Um, the Flyers were number one in the NHL in faceoff percentage, and it showed they won sixty percent of the faceoffs in this game. And we've been pretty good on that overall. So mm-hmm. um, this was just an interesting note that Tarasenko missed the final seven minutes against Vegas. He kind of got benched, uh, but Mike Yo said that it was basically because other players were playing so well that they deserved playing time. Um, and it looked like he was back on form this game. Yeah. So no harm, no foul. Um, so not to linger too long there, I'll let you go ahead and take over the Capitals discussion. Uh, you have the, I guess, mildly heartening game of this trio. <laughs> the distinction of covering a good game, a good loss. <laughs> an we'll call overtime it a, loss. A nice yeah. loss. Yeah, we got a point out of it at least. In the first period for the Capitals, Brent Conley scored his ninth goal to open up the scoring. It was a tip-in that more or less was created by Alexander Ovechkin on the power play here. He set up over in the left circle there. One-timered it crazy fast. Either hit Conley in the arm or on the stick, and it went in. It was kind of looked like a little curveball. Can't really fault uh, Jake Allen for that one in this one, at least. But Oh, this one was actually uh, Carter Hutton, I believe. Was this Carter Hutton in the Washington game? Yes, sir. I believe it was. It was? Because it was a back-to-back. Oh, you're right. It was. Can't fault Carter Hutton for that one, but we will fault him <laughs> later, I think. I can't remember. Yes, I believe we do. We will. <laughs> we've, we've agreed we will. <laughs> so that was the only goal scored in the first period, which is a little too bad because the Blues actually looked really good in that period. I believe they they at least hung with Washington in the shots. They had uh, seven shots to Washington's eight in the first period, so not terrible. I thought we actually looked pretty even. I thought we got more scoring chances than that. Uh, just a few wider than that, a couple blocked here and there. Uh, second period, though, we actually looked really good. I think it was one of our strongest periods in a long time, minus the Vegas game where I think we played mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, Tarasenko scored on a snapshot from Ivan Barbashev and Joel Edmondson, 118 into the second period of even strength. This was a really nice uh, goal where Edmondson was sort of skating into the zone, kept going towards the net to push the defenseman back, popped it over to Barbashev on the right, and then Tarasenko was the late guy in. It was a nice little dish to him and a classic wrister. I just like seeing Barbashev be able to find Tarasenko open. Anytime we can get any sort of person that's supposedly a center <laughs> passing to people, it just looks great. It looks like what Aki should look like. Yeah. Um, later on in that period, Alexander Steen scored a goal, which also, kind of like the uh, Ovechkin goal, or by the Brett Conley goal, mind you, in the first period, this kind of looked like a Braden Shen goal. This was also on the power play. And this was a power play that I thought we looked really, really good on. It was one of our better power play sequences in a really long time. Mm-hmm. I believe all five players touched the puck in a matter of about five seconds, five or six seconds, because we were moving it that fast, finally. Uh, Stasny got the puck from the high slot to Petrangelo. Petrangelo had it at the blue line, and he passed it to Tarasenko. Mm-hmm. Tarasenko kind of skated in closing down the uh, Washington box of their PK, and then he passed it behind his back right back to Petrangelo on the blue line, who passed it quickly over to Shen to his right, and then Shen fired a one-timer, which had Steen screening Holtby, but at some point, I guess, went off Steen too and in. Mm-hmm. So it was a really good power play. I think I tweeted out it was the best sequence, like I said, we've seen in a long time. 
uh, they moved it quickly. They moved it with authority. They moved it like they were on attack, mm-hmm. which is something we don't see a lot of these days in any part of our game. No. Uh, third period, so that was second period. Second period looked really, really good. Third period, uh, we looked a little lifeless. Just a quick note, we outshot the Capitals 11 to nothing in the first nine minutes and 30 seconds of the second. Oh, really? So I would say yeah, our final just to shots. emphasize how good that period looked. Our final shots were 17 to 6 for mm-hmm. the Blues, so... It was really a one-way period for us. Like I said, probably our best controlling period in a long time. Mm-hmm. In the third period, we got outshot 18-8. to eight. Oh. Not as good. <laughs> <laughs> you, Given how the Blues have played, you want to fault the Blues. Yeah. And you can because if you're playing well, that just doesn't happen. Mm. But you're also playing really good the Washington team. Capitals yeah. who – it's weird to say mm-hmm. are sneakily first in the metro, but they are sneakily first because I don't think people thought they were going to be. They lost first. a lot of yeah. players this past year, uh, specifically both. Um, oh crud! What's the guy that went to Montreal or something? Oh, they have uh, Alsner. Alsner, thank you. And then Williams and left. Justin Williams went to Carolina, and they had Shattenkirk at the end of the year. True, and he also left. Those are three really big pieces to replace. And they traded um, um And Johansson. they traded Johansson, yeah. yeah. So that's four, you know, that's two top four defensemen and two top nine forwards yeah. that you have to replace. Not a lot of teams can survive that and be just as good the next season. So that's impressive. Yeah, so it's definitely something to think about where sometimes you just get beaten by the better team. I mean, quickly and... The third period, Ovechkin scored on a slap shot. It looked great. It was on the power play. That's what you expect. It's that classic Alex Ovechkin goal, though. Yeah. I mean, really, it really is. Yeah. Carter Hutton said, not to interrupt you, but yeah. I truly think when he hits his spot, it's kind of an almost unsavable shot. I don't think it's physically possible when he picks his spot to be able to save it. You have to be cheating or get a piece, and he made a great shot, and that's what he's been doing ever since he's been in the league. Um you're just going to get beat by Alex mm-hmm. Ovechkin sometimes. On the one hand, I was watching that, and I was like, how do you not know? That's why I always that's think, That's where the play's yeah. going. Like, everybody knows. But at the same time, all the other teams also know mm-hmm. that, and he's still scoring yeah. 58 power point goals a season. So That made, I think, the Ovechkin goal, that's what made it, uh, was that 2-2 at, the, mm-hmm. at that point? Yeah. And so then Lars Eller, former Blue, uh, scored a sixth of the season. Long time ago. Long, yeah, many moons ago. Traded for Yaroslav Halak. Man, what a great trade. I still think. I do, yeah. Uh, he was assisted by TJ Oshie on the play just to, you know, shove the knife in a little <laughs> bit further. Uh, then we actually managed to even it up with a Carl that, Gunnarsson. That one, if I, if I may interrupt yeah. really quick, that one did, That one was not a good goal for Hutton. The Lars Eller. Uh, yeah, basically um, Oshie came in hard on his left and took a hard shot off of Hutton's pads. This one is too slow. was not square to the puck at all. He was very slow to get down and he was not square to it. And the puck basically just kind of slid along the front of his pads and went right to Eller, uh, who got an easy rebound and an empty netter. But he didn't turn to Oshie enough, square to Oshie enough, and he didn't react to Eller fast enough. And he didn't control the rebound at all, obviously. So it's not... You know, when you're looking at goals, it's still kind of a two-on-one situation. So they're in the, the other team's just not scoring any goals right now where the mm-hmm. defense is blameless. I mean, that's pretty rare in hockey anyway. But, like, 
our defense is playing poorly, but this one was as on Hutton as a goal yeah. can be, pretty much. Well, I remember even with the rebound, it seemed savable. Mm-hmm. He seemed like he had enough time where right. he was looking at Eller yeah. to be able to get it. It's not like Eller has that world-class yeah. you know, snapshot or whatever. <laughs> True. Uh, Carl Gunnarsson managed to even it up for us hey. in, the, in the like last about five minutes at even strength. This was an interesting goal. You shot it. I think it was going probably high and wide. Mm-hmm. And then it managed to hit, I, I believe, a Capitals player in front, their shoulder or something, and just did one of those uh, classic bounce down, like complete 90 degrees into the ice and slid underneath Holtby. Mm-hmm. So we'll take them. I'll take any sort of goal. I'll take any goal from Carl Gunnarsson. I, think, I ain't ever once complained <laughs> about a Carl Gunnarsson goal. I think the only thing that made me sad about this was I thought Tage Thompson had touched it uh, to go, and I just want all those points for those young guys. <laughs> just really get that, that self-esteem up. Yeah. Uh, this went to OT and we lost, unsurprisingly. Yeah, and this was a strange sequence that ended the game. Oh, that's right. Uh, there was a pretty obvious slash on Pareko by the eventual goal scorer Backstrom. Um, Pareko's stick, I think, broke, or at least, at least he popped went out off. his hands. Yeah, he dropped it and went off mm-hmm. to go get another one. Um, at the same time, Tarasenko, basically everyone went for a change yeah. on a three-on-three. <laughs> Nicholas Backstrom's pretty good and was left alone on one side of the ice, and they skated in and scored. Um, but it's uh, pretty hard to debate that there probably should have been a slashing call. Mike Yo said, we lost a stick there. I wasn't sure if they slashed it out of his hands or not, uh, but they pretty clearly did. And um, Backstrom said, I knew the pass from Oshie was coming. Oh, yes, TJ Oshie, two assists in of this course. game. Dagger us, TJ. Nice to get a breakaway for once and nice to score, too. That was like a weird backhand. Yeah. Kind of that, oh, I always have to make Ovechkin get yeah. the breakaway. But nice. this one was for me, okay? It's <laughs> yeah. nice when everyone's tra- chanting 19, yeah. 19. <laughs> uh, the story of this one was, I think we already kind of mentioned it, it's a game I thought the Blues looked pretty good in in general, and mm-hmm. you just kind of lose to a better team. We outshot them by just a shot, 34-33. to 33. Uh, You mentioned that our face-offs were pretty bad last game, but it, that was against a really good face-off team. Yeah. They rebounded this game. We won 58% of them. Penalty is we took four to Washington's two. We were one for two on the power play, and they were two for four, so mm-hmm. not great. Not overly good. I'll take a power play goal from us. That's good. Mm-hmm. One for two, but two for four on the PK. Not fantastic. Uh, we Were did both power play goals by Ovechkin, or was the Conley goal one of the uh, The Conley plays? goal was a power play okay. goal, but it was pretty much Ovechkin yeah. shooting it off his body. Yeah. <laughs> so more or less two Ovechkin goals. We did have 19 block shots. Mm-hmm. I think that's very admirable we defensively. We block the other team, which I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, so... Like, it's gritty and good for the players, but I, other teams can also just get the puck yeah. away from <laughs> So that's the thing is in Corsi, which is advanced stat that tracks puck possession, mm-hmm. so you want a higher one. When you take a block shot, it accounts for you in possession. Like even though they blocked your shot, uh-huh. that goes towards your team as possessing the puck more because right. you did because they because blo- you had to fire it for them to block it. So anyways, when I see tons of block shots like yeah. that, that's great defensively. We didn't have the puck a lot. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like when you get a lot of hits, mm-hmm. that means you don't have the puck a lot. Yeah. It's a fun it's a fun tangible intangible. Yeah. <laughs> We're exactly. like cool, but mm, <laughs> So yeah, it was a game. It was a better looking game. Uh-huh. I thought it was going to lead into maybe a better game after this, which it mm-hmm. most certainly didn't. Um, 
this one, the third period, it looked like everyone's chemistry just evaporated. I just remember thinking that no one was being able to read off each other. It seemed like we may have jumbled the lines up a little bit too, but for a team that probably needed to have the offensive mindset to just funnel pucks at the net whenever mm-hmm. we were in the zone, we've still looked like we were trying to be cutesy, yeah. which doesn't really work again when you don't look like you know where anyone else is going to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, just to add a couple of interesting things, Braden Holpe is 6-0 and against the Blues in his career. Oh, I know. Um, this was the 100th start of Carter Hutton's career in his 100 starts. He is 54, 35, and 15, um, and that actually includes decisions and games he didn't start. For those of you who were quick enough to add up that it was 104 <laughs> decisions and not 100. Um only one of us is a math major, yes. and even he is not very good at math. <laughs> and I like how you said even he, as if Who to imply that it was me. No, it's, it's Who me. It is not. <laughs> uh, trust me, I am not a math major. Um, and then the interesting thing, which I had actually no idea of, uh, is that Tarasenko and Ovechkin entered the game tied for the NHL lead in shots. Ovechkin's not a surprise really? at all, but I was not aware that Tarasenko so was out there. If it's Ovechkin taking less this season, uh, or is Tarasenko taking more? I would guess it's probably both. I guess, Because Ovechkin yeah. usually finishes with like 500. Yeah, like a, His shooting percentage is terrible, but it's just his he game. He just fires yeah, them all the time. Which I kind of appreciate. Uh, but they entered tied with 181, and Tarasenko actually uh, took seven this game, or six this game, and Ovechkin only two, technically, so he finished uh, with 187 and the lead. Um, the one particularly damning or darning for those of you with very sensitive <laughs> hearing, uh, it kind of creates socks. No, um, the damning piece of evidence against the Blues was that the Blues had only four giveaways uh, to the Capitals' 15, so they failed to capitalize on that. Uh, you can Bang. Boo, you can boo me loudly, <laughs> and then to transition into our next game, I thought this was these were very important uh, quotations. Um, to uh, mention before we transition, just to kind of emphasize what a failure the (laughs) loss to the Florida Panthers was. Uh, Carter Hutton said, I thought we needed to have a better third period having the lead. I thought they had a lot of good chances in the third. Their power play comes through, and then we're able to tie it up late. It's obviously tough to lose, but we'll take a point, and this is the critical part. We've got to go home and get another win before the break. Um, And then uh, Mike Yo more... more, uh, pointedly said i'm looking forward to our next game i think that's a big game for us if we win that game now we are saying that we're four one and one heading into the break and i think we'd all be very pleased with that so this i said was a big but i think i think <laughs> either he said that wrong or i typed it let's wrong. blame mike be big. yes he doesn't know how to speak english people um so the blues head at home uh, with that fire in their bellies, and they actually get off to a very incredible start with two goals uh, in less than 10 minutes. Paul Stasny scored the first one 48 seconds into the game, his 10th of the season. Um, this was a, a, a can't-miss goal for Stasny, but it came from a lot of pressure. And Luongo for that, was it Luongo starting? Or I was think it, it was Reimer. It was Reimer, okay. Uh, I had written Luongo and meant to go back and check. I think he's been injured for a while yeah, or something um, weird. James Reimer was sort of down and out, uh, and the puck sort of squirted to uh, Walnuts, and he buried it. It was really nice because for once when the other goaltender was down and out, we actually scored. <laughs> um, so that was good. And then uh, Pareko scored a nice goal um, after that. 
nothing especially magical about it, I don't think. It was a nice Tarasenko dish. Yeah, Tarasenko had a really good pass on it. Uh, And then on top of everything else, uh, Joel Evanson had a fight. Uh, Was that before or after their first goal? Because I meant to double check. I want to say it it was was before before, because it felt... This felt like a good game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so uh, Jamie McGinn, uh, world-renowned grinder for the Florida Panthers, uh, super plug, made a hit on Pareko that Edmondson didn't like. Uh, he said Edmondson said he just hit Perry, and I just wanted to get myself in the game and get the boys going. So I just asked him, and he said, "Yeah, that's how these fights happen. People they just request them and they agree to." It's them. like asking your prom person um, on a date. Yes, uh, but it was <laughs> it was exactly as clean and. <laughs> Simple as that. Um, but uh, saying yeah was a mistake for McGinn because Joel Evanson destroyed him uh, to the tune of a 97.5% victory margin, one of the largest I've ever seen on HockeyFights.com. And it was, I mean, he he clobbered him good. So uh, 10 minutes into the game, you're sitting there. Are you, no, <laughs> you going to be all right? Yeah. Uh, 10 minutes into the game, you're sitting there. And you're excited. Uh, Blues fans were on top of the world. Um, I tweeted to you this game was fire. It was fire. It turned uh, into a dumpster fire. <laughs> we just were unaware at the time. And then the other shoe started to drop. Uh, Aaron Ekblad scored the first of, I think, multiple form four goals in this game. Uh, and a shorthanded. Good. They just scored every weird way yeah. you can score. Uh he skated a semicircle around Pareko and uh, Tarasenko without be- even being detected uh, while Yandel had the puck and Yandel passed it across to him and he scored easily. Um, Alexander Barkov, uh, who is an, a just phenomenally gifted player, mm-hmm. as we were talking about before we recorded, if this guy was on any other team, he would be one of the top stars He's in the so league. Good. And he is very overlooked. Uh, down in he's the new Florida, Tampa Bay, right? Or Florida, no, they're yeah. in Miami. They're in yeah. Miami. He's the new uh, Nicholas Backstrom, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Or even probably even a higher offensive, you know, yeah. scoring skill set than Backstrom, but, but just an of, underrated. Where yeah, you're like, very, that guy's so good, and I forgot yeah, all about him. Yeah, I like by the way how I suggested they were maybe the team from Tampa Bay because I forgot that the Tampa Bay <laughs> Lightning exists. You know, in one of those weird cities in Florida. Um, in any case, uh, <laughs> this was a beautiful goal. Uh, Evgeny Dadinov is also having a great season. The KHL import. Um, much more uh, successful than the other KHL import this season. <laughs> Shipyatrov, was that his name? Uh, the failure for the Golden Knights. But yes, Dadnoff's been good. Uh, and he basically goalposted, um, I said Pete, uh, I guess I meant Petrangelo and Bomeister. Um, basically skate right, skates right between them, drops it uh, for Huberdeau. Uh, I think he he skated behind the net and dropped it to Huberdeau in front. Huberdeau fired it in front for the Barkov to redirect, and he didn't, like, even move, it looked like. It was just, I mean, it was a really pretty goal. I said, as bad as we looked here, this was one of the sickest hockey goals I've ever seen. Just lots of, there is, there's a ton of skill on this team. It's Mm -hmm. it's kind of shocking and upsetting that they're not better than they were. And if you go back to our preseason projections, we thought they were a team that would contend for a playoff spot, and they're not currently. So What this team could have done with their old uh, coach from the Golden Knights if he was still around. Yeah, exactly. Not a great decision there. Um, But Tarasenko got us back. Uh, 
just a really nice goal to open the second. Stastny, Barbashev, and Tarasenko skated in. Stastny hit uh, Barbashev, who passed it to Vova so fast that it looked like Stastny just passed it to Vova. <laughs> At one point, I was like, wait, but Barbashev has the main assist here. I had to go back and watch. And then from Did there, he really touch it? Yeah, he really Oh, wow. Did. Yeah. And then from there, it uh, was just a classic Tarasenko wrister um, from kind of the face-off circle area from the slot somewhere in there. Um, but then the ugliest goal of the night. Do you want to talk uh, about the Verbata goal? Because <laughs> I know you mentioned how ugly this was. Well, was was Connor, Connor Brickley the guy? Was he behind the net? Mm-hmm. He was pretty much behind the net and passed it to Verbata, and this looked almost exactly like the uh, like the Ryan Ryan Nugent Hopkins assisted on whoever scored that goal up was there that a up in the Oilers Kajula, game. Kajula, perhaps. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, no one forgets a name like Kajula. <laughs> no, no, they. Yeah, do not. it was the same goal. It was five dudes just staring at the guy behind that. All five of them. Mm-hmm. It's and I forget who there was a player on the other side of Allen who maybe because no one's over there, he's not yeah. guarding anyone, but I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. They're literally behind the other defenseman, like almost like in a tandem bicycle motion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're all over the place. Verbata doesn't even skate fast past everyone. He's just kind of like, oh, I'll be here too, yeah. and scores. And it was real, <laughs> it was real gross. Verbata can be very fast, but he wasn't on yeah, this one. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't need to use any of his skill yeah. to score this goal. Yeah, he was just there. Um and then just three minutes later, I just took a very mournful approach. And then uh, they won the faceoff in the offensive zone. Uh, Alex Petrangelo tied to tie up, tried to tie up Jonathan Huberdo to no avail. Uh, and he just got a very clean shot on Allen. Uh, everyone else was just watching this happen again. Alan was just watching it happen. There's no defense at all. Mike Yo said, "I can't. I hope he said this with almost a twinkle in his eye, just because it's so like downtrodden." I think that was sort of a play that described our entire game. To be honest with you, that one happened real quick, and it ended up in the back of our net. Uh, and then Vincent Trocic really buried the final dagger uh, less than a minute later when he got in the middle of a uh, Edmondson Tarasenko Bowmeister triangle and does not suffer at all for it. Uh, He took a clean shot, and uh, the team did nothing, but uh, Jake Allen wore this one. It was really not a good, and he was not in good position. This is a weird one where he kind of like sort of dove at it, sort of. It was weird looking. Uh, Very kind of the epitome of shaky Jakey times (laughs) where it's just like stabbing at things. You can just kind of gift that second back and forth. Exactly. Um, And then uh, (laughs) uh, I got very animated in my show notes. I don't know if you've been noticing those. Oh, yeah. Um, But uh, I will not read that to our listening audience. Um, But Colton Sevier scored to open the third on a shorthanded goal. Uh, the the Florida Panthers actually lead the league, I think, with eight shorthanded goals, which is an absurd number. Um, but you can see where this one came from. Just, Petra- just Petrangelo is standing like darn near behind the blue line on our power play, yeah. which we always have a guy back there because we're so scared of them clearing it. They still do all the time, <laughs> but we're so scared of that happening that we always have a guy back there, and yet we wonder why our power play isn't succeeding. And then even in spite of that, <laughs> Colton Sevier just friggin' skates Petrangelo and 
gets behind him no probably a problem and then beats Hutton at this point because Allen had been pulled after that last <laughs> garbage fire of a goal and scores it. I'm going to take down the emotion. We're going to no, be we very need, we got to ramp it up reason we going. <laughs> but oh, it was bad. Tage Thompson because uh, like all Blues rookies, he hasn't been indoctrinated to the not caring club. He's our shining uh, he blonde scores, little boy. He scores with a nice assist from Saboka. Saboka actually made a really nice forecheck on this play uh, and got behind the net and Tage scored, but it was to no avail. Uh, the final empty net goal just to lay a little extra dagger in. Petrangelo gets skated again, this time by Vincent Trocek, and they scored on the empty net. Uh, this is, I think, I would say without question, the worst I have ever seen Alex Petrangelo look For in a sure. game. I don't. I mean, I have. There have been seasons where I haven't noticed Alex Petrangelo, look, Alex Petrangelo, <laughs> look as bad as often as he did in this game. I mean, it was just. I'm not. You know, I'm not saying he's broken or anything. He's a very good player, and we need him very much. But it was just one of those games where the whole team looked so bad mm-hmm. that even Alex Petrangelo just looked terrible. Um, one of these goals, and I can't remember which it was. Um, but one of these goals, uh, was one where Bo Meester just gets skated absolutely, um, and I can't find it, but one of the goals, <laughs> you saw it. <laughs> we um, all did. Just, yeah, it was a really bad game. I don't want to linger on it. We can sort of move mm. on to our discussion. Um, Alan's going back to the dark place. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, with, Hello, darkness, my old friend. Yes, exactly. Uh, with that in mind, we can uh, move on to our State of the Bloonion discussion. <laughs> uh, we're really forcing this one, folks. Uh, You're going to like it. Yeah, exactly. You better re- review it wildly on Twitter. At Two Guys No Cup, by the way. Please follow us. <laughs> Please be our friend. Um, uh, just a couple of quotes to sort of start this off, and then you've got a bunch of stats to sort of kick us off. Uh, Carter Hutton, who apparently is the only player that anyone can interview on this team, uh, <laughs> says, you know, it just goes for everything right now. It just seems like the demeanor of our game, even some of the games that we're winning, I feel like we're just sitting back. We've got to get back to blues hockey, kind of grind teams down. There it is again, the whole game. <laughs> Hopefully we can do that after the break. Do, do people, like, forget we've got a ton of skilled forwards like yeah they who, do <laughs> who on our game now who on our team has a grind them down game paul stasny <laughs> i guess no I not even i mean maybe steen. bergwind and steen but like savoka like three dudes but savoka is even he's like small and fast yeah. he's not yeah i'm not including brad zaker upshaw because they're fourth liners yeah, that's, that's what they do thing. And a lot of times they take over the game. Um, and then Mike Yo very uh, poetically, uh, but probably not truthfully, said after the Florida loss, this is where we draw a line in the sand. It's not who we are and it won't continue. We'll figure out what the path is going forward. But like I said, that's enough. It's enough of games like that. It's unacceptable. We can't accept it playing in front of our home crown, playing like that, being loose, giving up goals, giving up chances the way we're giving up. That's enough. Um, I'm, cool. I really want to see that uh, Gwen Gulletson mm-hmm. just swearing up and down the ice, throwing sticks, start pegging Petrangelo yeah. with water bottles. Whatever you got to do, coach. Did Gwen Gulletson throw stuff? At uh, he threw a stick into the oh, stands. Okay. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, we've he, seen... He pulled Elias Anderson with a <laughs> stick. Um, and Mike Yo, one time, very, yeah. very available video on YouTube, if you look it up, uh, when, a, when the Wild were uh, going through a similar poor stretch, I think, in December, which, as we've mentioned before, is kind of a trademark of Mike Yo. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they had a practice where he just lost his cool... And I think that's spe- I, I, the one value I do think of that is like, I'm sure Hitch did that every two days. <laughs> but when you do it all the time, like, who cares? You yeah. know, it's just the grumpy old man. If, it, if it's the coach who's your friend, maybe it carries a little weight, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the weird thing Mike Yo said was uh, that he's talking about so the Blues have played 46 games this season, which is two more than any other team in the NHL. And they were talking about how they're kind of slipping in the standings. And now they have a week off and other teams get to win or lose games during that time. And he says, I would think that we'll still be in a playoff position when we come out of this break. And if we're not, whatever. And I'm kind (laughs) of like, okay, yeah, in the sense that you've got to win coming out regardless. But also, what? Like, you want to be in one, right? So with that said, uh, you have some statistics that you'd like to bring up. So why don't you do that now? Yeah, these are not whatever. <laughs> these are very important. Uh, most of these, well, pretty much all of these are going to be from December 1st forward up until now because it's kind of like the informal start of the slide. Mm-hmm. So in that time, since December 1st, the Blues are 9, 10, and 2, which gives them 20 points. They're great. <laughs> <laughs> it's like in this period that places them 20th in the league so, not fantastic. You mentioned that they've played the most games thus far throughout the whole season. Mm-hmm. So, at this point, from December 1st till now, they've played 21, which was the most, with the only closest team next to them, I think a bunch tied for 19 games played, but the lowest being 15. We've played six more than a certain team in this league. It's the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> Just <laughs> like in case you're wondering. A certain team. Yeah. <laughs> they will remain nameless, <laughs> but they've done it. We are 22nd in goals for, and we are 8th in most goals against with 56, and 22nd when goals for gets us 47, so not fantastic. Oddly, though, when being 22nd in goals for, we're 2nd in shots for over this period with 673. And unsurprisingly... That seems like an absurd number. I know that you're yeah. taking 30 a game and we've played like 20 yeah. games, but that still seems like what? Yeah, it's it does seem like a whole lot. 673 <laughs> yeah. shots. That's but, shots on goal, right? Yeah. Not shot attempts or whatever. I believe so. So that's that puts us second in this period of time in the whole mm. league. That's really good. But unsurprisingly, we're third in most shots against at 645. So we're just allowing them to just pot shot us all over the place. Our power play is 29th at a measly 12.1%. And has the, uh, the we're allowing the fourth most power play opportunities as well. So Or we're not allowing, sorry, we're receiving the fourth most amount of power play opportunities. And we're 12.1%. Nice. So not converting <laughs> when we should. We can be a little bit better on that. Uh, the PK is third at 88.7%, so that's pretty good. But we've also taken, actually, the fourth most penalties over that time. <laughs> so, I mean, we're keeping them out, but we seem to be shorthanded a lot. Which is interesting, which means we're probably not putting up as many shots then, but we have a lot of shots. Mm-hmm. So we're making up for it in some ways. Uh, as I mentioned, though, the Blues are 22nd in goals for, but they're second in shots for. So they're just not going in, despite everything. 
So that puts our shooting percentage at 7%, which over this Real month good. and a half puts us at 31st in the league, dead last. Mm-hmm. Now there's a stat, and we'll have to look more into it. I apologize for not knowing exactly what it is. It's PDO. Mm-hmm. It essentially measures, layman's-wise, a team's luck. Mm-hmm. 100 being just right down the middle, your luck is doing neither thing to you. Uh, over 100, you're a little bit lucky. Under 100, you're a little bit unlucky. Mm-hmm. The Blues are just barely above 100, which puts us at pretty much luck is, has nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. And we're at 7% shooting percentage. Yeah. The statistics say we're bad. <laughs> <laughs> There's just in case you wanted to pick me out. There it is. Yeah, that's a real bad stretch. There, with that shooting percentage, we're below teams. All the teams right above us at thirtieth, 29th, twenty eighth, all uh, that are not other weird teams. It's not like the Penguins too, and like the Blackhawks or something weird. Mm-hmm. No, it's all Buffalo, Arizona, Carolina. It's these teams that you expect there. I had to go all the way up to like 16th before I was like, well, that's kind of weird. I didn't think the Islanders would be there. Yeah. So we're like underneath the crust of the earth in terms of awesome. shooting, <laughs> shooting awesome. percentage. So, I mean, what I think those the that combination of stats yeah. indicates to me is just that we are, our shots are desperate, but not, smart or hardworking. Mm-hmm. So we're taking a lot of shots because we know we're not scoring, so it's like fire pucks on net, mm-hmm. but we're not getting into good positions to take the shots, and Which we're you can not see, yeah. getting into good positions to capitalize off rebounds and things like that, or screen them or anything. And I think, I mean, you just feel that, for the most part, I think, you know, if you're watching... A game, especially the way they've been playing now. Even you and I have a podcast on the Blues, and we're not just like glued to the TV screen, you yeah. know. So you can sort of just by listening and just sort of sensing the game. Not to make this like a another dimensional thing, but you can just <laughs> sort of sense when pressure is like serious. Mm-hmm. And like you telling me that we've taken the most shots in the lead sounds absurd because mm-hmm. I've watched all of our games recently, or at least big chunks of all of our games. And it doesn't ever feel like we have much pressure on the other team. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of one-and-done shots that get saved or covered or go behind or whatever, and that's it, you know. So yep. I think that's how those statistics sort of play out Yeah. in, you know, in layman's terms, <laughs> I guess. Like I said, our, it looks okay-ish from maybe, like, the only thing I think of as a penalty kill perspective. But mm-hmm. Like I said, we're taking, over that time, the fourth most penalties not great and our power play we're we're, we're getting the fourth amount or fourth you know best amount of like power play opportunities over this time and it's 12.1 percent for our power play Mm -hmm. so we're not converting on those either it's converting on nothing it's goes back to a goalie falling over and losing a stick and he can't get up because his jersey is over his head or whatever and we can't and we can't put the puck in the yeah, back of the net. You yeah. think that would be in some lucky unlucky thing, but it shouldn't be because we just stink. Yeah. Yeah, that's the reality. We're not playing at all well right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, to move on to some more depressing statistics. <laughs> we uh, need like sad music playing behind us. We'll let's edit talk that in. about the real big uh, elephant in the room right now, not even really an elephant, I guess, but um, just Jake Allen's struggles. 
uh, the dark place, <laughs> the darkness, uh, Donnie Darko, whichever dark reference you'd like the right dark now. Dark Knight. Um, yeah, Dark Knight Returns, Dark Knight Rises. This There's is, so this many is more of a Dark Knight Returns. I mean, that's not actually the name of one of the movies, is it? But um, in any case, it's bad. <laughs> um, much like Batman and Robin, this is terrible. There we go. That's there you how go. We, we found that's it. That's how we find we the found on that discussion. Um since December, uh, since December first, which as Ian noted earlier, is kind of the unofficial start time for all these struggles. Although some of his earliest games in December were pretty good, uh, Jake is five eight and one. He's allowed thirty seven goals against. Uh, he has a nine oh nine save percentage, which uh, isn't great. I mean, it's not super bad, mm-hmm. but it's not great. And a point two point seven two goals against average, which also isn't terrible but isn't great i mean i always look at those two stats as sort of like 900 for save percentage is the floor of like remotely acceptable and three is like the ceiling of remotely acceptable for goals against what was his goals against uh 2.72 okay yeah i was gonna say when it's leaning more towards three for a team that can't score it yeah, I mean, you got to. It's that not in necessarily on him, but it just no, it's no, not helping right. the team. Uh, but here's where it gets real dark. Um, <laughs> since Christmas, uh, he is oh four and oh, 15 goals against an eight seventy save percentage and a goals against average of four point five. Oh, so yeah. apparently, he was visited not by Santa but by Krampus, <laughs> and his children were eaten. And, oh, maybe that's the problem. Uh, he got put in the bag and beat with a reed. <laughs> This Maybe one's on Krampus, happened. folks. We got it. We figured it out. Um, <laughs> in any case, uh, Carter Hutton, by contrast, has had a 4-2-1 December with 15 goals against, a save percentage of 936, and a 2.03 goals against average, all of which is frankly absurd, <laughs> um, especially the save percentage. Um but even there, I mean you can see you can just just by kind of eyeballing those numbers, uh the idea that his save percentage is that much higher, but his goals against is not sub two indicates that the defense has generally played worse for Allen than for mm-hmm. Hutton, which I think you can see. And I don't know what the reason for that is, whether they're just not confident in Allen or whether they like Carter Hutton more or, you know, yeah. whether Carter Hutton buys them nice things or has a hot sister. I don't know. But like the, whatever the case may be, um, it's just been bad um, for Jake Allen. Uh, Doug Armstrong says the run support might not be there. I don't know why I used a baseball term, but <laughs> he knows what city uh, this is, is a quote from an article, by the way, that was just published on The Athletic. So I've been doing research even during the podcast. We're very professional. <laughs> um, the run support <laughs> might not be there for either guy, but they can't control that. They just have to continue to do their job. Jake showed great flashes earlier in the year, and Hutton has shown really good play. Jake is obviously going through a tough spell here, and it's his responsibility to get himself out of it. So uh, that's all well and good, but as we know, and this is a quote from uh, um, Jeremy Rutherford in that same article, this is the second straight season that Allen's performance has dipped three months into the season. In the months of December and January of the 2016-17 season, he was pulled four times in the span of six starts. In his career, Allen has seen a precipitous drop in his save percentage in those months, falling from .926 in October to .909 in November to .906 in December and to 
six nine in January. Mm. Uh, um, Armstrong replies, "I think it's a reality. I'm, it's not a coincidence. Basically, I'm not sure why, but we just need him to find a way to get his A game back on." So, Ian, with all of that in mind, where is your panic level on Jake Allen right now? I'll say it's one notch away from like severe (laughs) only because we've seen this happen last year Uh and i get quoted a lot from people that defend jake allen i'm not trying to like attack him i'm just trying to tell you what i see Mm -hmm. which i think a lot of people you know can't really figure out on twitter because twitter is very much a just reactionary Mm -hmm. thing anyways um he doesn't look confident which everyone says this happened last year people try and defend him with what i was going to say while he was super hot against Minnesota, he carried us out of there. And he did. I'm not trying to take that away from him. But I think that just goes to show how hot he can be, but how cold he can be. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you trust that goalie to get you a cup. And I know people go, oh, yeah, well, we'd love a cup-winning goalie too. And it's like, yeah, but you got to try for something. Yeah. And I don't see that in him i don't know what they do with them i'd love to see him become more consistent if he does that's great Mm -hmm. but his history just shows huge highs and huge lows and you don't know what you're going to get from him and we can only just kind of roll the dice and hope the high comes in the playoffs yeah or it comes long enough during the season that we make it to the playoffs i want him to succeed and i do think that a lot of well maybe not a lot of but a, a few of the struggles he's had has been defense in front of him too for sure but i think people have to kind of grasp that you can have a crappy defensive team Mm -hmm. and also have a not great performing goalie at the same time independently of each other Mm -hmm. one does feed into the other for sure in terms of goals and um you know defense's own coverage turning into goals but at a certain point you can acknowledge that they're both bad yeah yeah and that's kind of what i see here and so i I would hope as the defense gets better, they can kind of cover up for some of Allen's mistakes. I think mm. that would kind of help him mentally, too, knowing what he's going to be able to see, you know, in front yeah. of him. But I think it's also one of those things, like I said, you, if you got to send a guy home like you did last year, I swear if they send him home or they don't take him on a road trip again this year, you got to think, I don't know what you turn him into in mm. terms of trade or whatever, but that's not sustainable. That's yeah. not okay. Yeah, so... If I may build off no, that yeah. real quick. Um, just looking at the extent to which we need to tilt, as the as the youth say <laughs> right now, um, I think there is quite probably a point later in this season where we will be riding Jake Allen to victories. Mm-hmm. As we did last year, as we have seen consistently time and time again before, uh, he is a goaltender whose play level is very heavily tied to his confidence. And whether that means bringing Marty Brodeur back closer to the ice for games or whatever, like, I mean, that's one of the steps they took Mm -hmm. last year was him being the goalie coach, Uh, whatever it takes, whether it means returning home to whichever province he's from for (laughs) a few days of rest or whatever, and maybe this is the week to do that. Yeah, I would hope that's um, the best part about this break. Yeah. Then I, I think he can get his head right. With that said, this has to be the last time this happens. Yeah, so it can't be a, a third time. He's he's he done. Can't 
That's three strikes. That's baseball. And I know, like I heard people, I heard Kevin Wheeler, uh, who knows less about hockey than me, so I'm just going to say that. But I, <laughs> I heard him talking about earlier on uh, 101 ESPN, the local radio station, just saying, well, yeah, you can't, but you can't really think like that. You can't because you're kind of stuck with him. Mm-hmm. And there's truth to that, but there's not. So here's the reality. Jake Allen is currently the 19th highest paid goaltender in the NHL, according to Spotrack.com. He has an annual average value of $4.35 million. That nestles him safely between Devin Dubnik and, above him by one slot, Yaroslav Halak. How the hell did that happen? (laughs) Um, But he is uh, behind goalies like Ben Bishop, Roberto Luongo, Frederick Anderson, Jimmy Howard, Mike Smith, and ahead of Craig Anderson, Cam Talbot, Scott Darling, and Steve Mason. So that puts him in kind of the range that he's at. So Mm -hmm. that is to indicate that his contract is not that big a concern. It's a very club-friendly contract if he's performing as a top goalie. If he's not, um, it's not good, but it is the kind of thing where you can maybe build around him and Mm -hmm. have another piece in here, or not build around him in the sense that you're building a team around (laughs) him, but kind of play around him. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think we'd ever get to the point where we have to just accept that dead cap space because it's only till 2021, and he's fine enough to be a a backup. And this is all hypothetical, obviously, but like you can't... You can't just keep doing this till 2021. And go, yeah, that's sorry. Yeah. We had to ride him down. We had to ride the sinking ship with him. <laughs> yeah, and you can look. You can talk about Jake Allen as a young goalie. But he's not really. He's yeah. 26 now. Um, he'll be 29 when his contract's up. He's 27 now, excuse me. He'll be 29 when his contract's up. Um Goalies develop weight, yes, but he's no longer a young goalie. He mm-hmm. should be in his prime. And you just can't, like, I'm sorry, you can't have a month or two every year where he sucks. Yeah. Even if he's good in the playoffs, like, you just can't. Yeah. That can't happen. I'd rather have Yaroslav Halak, who's just a worse goalie but a more consistent one, you yeah. know? Yeah, well, that's the thing is you're used to seeing, like, goalies that will go on cold streaks, mm-hmm. and that happens with teams and players and everybody, but this is... This is like a mental breakdown. Yeah. I mean, more uh, to a smaller sense. But and, yeah. and look, unlike, you know, I don't think, I think the team struggled last year, but I think he wore a, maybe a bigger percentage of it last year. Mm. I don't think the defense looked as terrible. No, I'd definitely say that they have last lately. year it was more on him yeah, than right but now. It's still happening. He's still not playing well. And we've seen other, you know, we saw him in the playoffs last year. Save the Blues in spite of the poor defense. Yeah. So, and a lot of that was the defense limiting great shots, but I mean, he was saving 40 plus shots a game. So, so, yeah, with that in mind, though, I was going to say, I really would like to see it's not a ship him out now. I'd like to see him come back and do well, but I'd also like to see the defense improve greatly because, yeah. in all honesty, Oddly enough, I think that's actually the easier thing to fix, yeah. the easier thing to improve. Yeah. And I think once you see that, you might see his confidence grow a little and more. I think once you see that, either way, it's a fairer like judgment. Yeah, exactly. Allen. If it if they keep going in after defense improves, you know who to blame. You yeah. know where the blame is. The good news is you have Carter Hutton here right now. Yes, he's a free agent. 
at the end of the year. I don't think it would be hard to retain him for two more years mm-hmm. if you were inclined. I don't think I don't think it's going to be a Scott Darling situation given his age. True, where some teams going to be like, no, Carter Hutton's got to be our <laughs> starter now, um, unless he just has a, a friggin' phenomenal rest of the season. And the even maybe even better news is that by around the time. Jake's current contract is up. Billy Huso should be totally ready to be an NHL yeah, you would starter, uh, and maybe he'll be the top end goalie you need. Mm-hmm. But you just like Corey Crawford. I wouldn't say as an elite goalie, but he's very consistent. Yeah, Mark Andre so. Fleury at his best is elite, but as his worst is very consistent. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Quick is elite, <laughs> but is never. Terrible. He's, like, he's a different kind of head case. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> but, like, I mean, the, I named those three specifically yeah. because they're the guys that have been winning all the cups yeah. in the last decade, <laughs> um, more or less. Yeah. Um, Matt Murray, similarly, has a high floor. I'm tired of that. I'm more than anything, I'm tired of there being goaltending controversy on this team. Yeah. And I don't think the. Fa- I'm, I'm not blaming the fans, but I don't think they do Allen a service by calling for his head every time the defense yeah. allows a goal, you know, collapses, and then they say, oh, well, we got to get Carter Hutton in there. And I'm like, I guarantee you Carter Hutton also wouldn't have saved yeah. that goal, you know. But anyway, I don't want to linger on that one subject too long, but do you have anything to kind of close that out before no, we move on? I guess maybe just we know. I think people saying, you know, Carter Hutton needs a starter, starter Hutton. That's mm-hmm. if it gets that bad, then yeah, sure. But as in terms of a plan and overall plan moving forward, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So we kind of have to ride Jake Allen all the way. I remember, I think it was on 105.7 The Point the morning or morning show on that radio station here. They had uh, someone talking about how they didn't really like that people were booing uh, Jake Allen as he's getting off. And actually, I think I heard more cheers for Hutton, but. I think his point was well made that I think it's fine to boo. That's no problem at all. But I do think we as a fan base or whatever, or the team mostly, you know, most certainly has to kind of just rally around Jake Allen. Because we I think... rally around Jake Allen <laughs> and we will play good football. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's the only way we do it this year. Yeah. Next year, do whatever you want. You can ship him wherever. I don't know. Maybe he's better at that point too. Maybe the best case scenario here... And I'm not saying, I don't think there's a scenario where Jake Allen improves and we trade him. I don't think that Armstrong necessarily has the stones to put him. I was just about to say. Maybe at the end of the year, do you like do something where you trade him for like, I don't know, a Cam Talbot, someone who's struggled somewhere else, but they're like roughly equal potential? Maybe. You sort of see if a change of scenery helps. I don't know. I like goalie changes just because they're such a big. They're such a big player. You, yeah. you trade a third-line defenseman, no big deal. Yeah. But you trade a goalie, and you're like, holy cow. Yeah, and the market, I mean... Just for fun. Not that I I'm not have no right to comment having this experience. You've but I've never played been street a goalie. hockey goalie <laughs> for a while yeah. while I was in middle school. And the number of times that goals are exclusively the goalie's fault are limited. And I was very bad. Like, I mean, I was okay. <laughs> for playing a crappy street hockey team. But, like, I was very bad. And I just, I mean, it's so easy to scapegoat the goalie. Mm -hmm. And as we're about to discuss, it's not all his fault. But um, 
Yeah, I think this is the same city that chased uh, Curtis Joseph out of town once. And so we like just the, have to realize at mm-hmm. some point that let's stop just blaming the goalie. Was like, a Kansas City Blues fan on Twitter? Let us know about all the other dark times in Blues history. Uh-huh, That'd yeah. be one of them. Yep, certainly <laughs> was. Uh, so moving on to kind of support our, our discussion about the defensive struggles, we'll move a little quicker through this. Um Alex Petrangelo has been a tale of two seasons so far this season, and he's just one of the defenders who's struggling. Uh, He put up 13 points in the month of October. In the two-plus months since then, he's put up 17 total. Um, I think we all knew his scoring would be unsustainable a little bit, but I don't think it had to drop off that much. Um, And uh, Jeremy Rutherford kind of backed that up by saying, you may recall the Blues defenseman as a total, that's defenseman with extra E's at the end instead (laughs) of an A, um, combined for 21 goals in the first 21 games of the season. The entire team had 68 goals at that point, so the back end had accounted for 30.8% of the offense. Since then, they have scored just seven goals in the last 25 games, and with the entire team totaling 63 goals in that stretch, that accounts for just 11.1% of the goals. So that's probably the biggest single shift in our scoring. Um, But more noticeably for Petrangelo, he was a plus 11 in October and November, and in December and so far in January, he's only a plus one, which still isn't bad, but it's not good for his level Mm -hmm. of success. Um, he's our captain. He's supposed to be the leader. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not saying he's not, but I don't, I, even like David Backus, I felt like led in a different, more vocal mm-hmm. way than Petrangelo seems to. Well, he fought 19 year olds. Yeah. <laughs> That's how he did it. <laughs> he said, let me show you a thing or two, Nico Heeshear. And he <laughs> punched him right in the jaw. <laughs> That's a little bit of what we need. You uh, know what? I'd take that. Yeah, I would too. I wouldn't complain at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just to move on to some other defensemen, the number of times I have seen Colton Pareko half-heartedly watching the other team score a goal in recent weeks mm-hmm. is absurd. And I know Colton Colton Pareko, the Blues fans have a couple of guys all the time that are like golden gooses that you can't complain about. Mm-hmm. And I know Pareko's one of them, and I love Colton Pareko. But he's looked bad lately. Yeah, he's defensively not very he's good. looked bad, and honestly, he hasn't been contributing offensively the way we thought he would for two seasons yeah. now. So, um, he's a minus seven since the start of de- December. Uh, Jay Bowmeister, who's the opposite of a golden goose, he's a pewter duck. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he's a scapegoat. That's the real opposite of a golden goose. Uh, I think he's clearly still injured. I don't think he's ever recovered fully. Uh, Lou Korak was talking on 101 ESPN. He said he agreed. Not not with me. <laughs> um, but uh, one of the things he made, the point he made was, you know, we were talking about that goal earlier that I couldn't point to the specific one. But yeah. um, just that time Jay Bomeister got totally skated on a, you know, just passed yeah. on a defensive play. And he, and Korak was talking about, when do you ever see Jay Bomeister just get outskated, you know? And I know he's 34 now. He's probably slowed down, slowed down some, but that's just not characteristic of him. Yeah, he just doesn't have that acceleration anymore. Yeah. And then Vince Dunn, 
uh, hasn't been sharp and is a minus six. Uh, Joel Edmondson is a minus eight since December 1st, and he has only six points, and they were all assists. The whole defensive core has looked bad. Yeah. Carl Gunnarsson has looked okay. Yeah. Robert Vortizzo has looked okay. Maybe that's because the expectations are lower for, the, for I them. I suppose, yeah. But the rest of them, bad. And so that's just without, I mean, I don't have anything more to comment mm. on that. You're welcome to, but I just don't think, I think that's another area yeah. where we've struggled. I feel like overall the whole team, but I think it's especially seen in our defensive pairings, are having trouble like communicating on mm. the ice. Yeah, that's something you have to do as a defensive pairing, and that we've seen so many times where two of them end up behind the net with one opposing player, mm-hmm. uh, just looking flat-footed in front of Allen or Hutton, yeah. looking around. We've got a guy that's not covering anybody. Yeah, um, yeah. the whole core has been bad. And like you said, Gunnarsson and Bortuzzo have been all right. Mm-hmm. And and maybe and maybe they're just the same as they've always been. The others have just sunk <laughs> below yeah. them, and they look yeah, that much possible. better. Um, and then I think another negative to talk about is chemistry. This is something you've noticed especially. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of pairs of players that have good chemistry yeah. on this team. I think obviously Shen and uh, Schwartz had it before they were hurt. I think Paul Stastny generally has chemistry with most people because he's creative and yeah. he's actually good people. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but then uh, I think uh, he and Tage Thompson specifically have really good chem- have shown really good chemistry since Thompson's resurgence. But you want to speak to the overall lack of chemistry on the team? Yeah, this is more of if you just watch other teams mm. play. Maybe not every other team. I'm sure if you look at Buffalo, they still look like crap. <laughs> but if you look at just you know middling the good teams, they seem to know where the other guy is. I feel like a lot of the times we have a Berglund or a Sabotka or even a Steen in the zone, and they just kind of ring it around. And I know that's a defensive strategy, but they don't really know who's where. We used to, at the beginning of the season, actually more often than now, see a lot of just blind drop passes to nobody. Mm-hmm. I'll see a few. I'll exclude the few where we're shooting towards the front of the net where no one is, because at uh-huh. least maybe it goes off somebody. But it's no chemistry, and I don't know if it's no chemistry leads to a lack of creativity mm-hmm. or vice versa. It just goes both ways that we don't seem to have much of an offensive zone presence. And I think that's tied to the chemistry. I don't think guys know when to move and when not to move. They don't know how we've sometimes have three people at the blue line for some Mm -hmm. odd reason. Tarasenko being one of them. Maybe he's playing more defensively responsible and the coach loves it, but it just seems weird. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what the identity of this team is and beyond just a grinder team or uh, you know, skilled team, fast team. I just don't know who's the, the guy on this team. We're the team with Vladimir Tarasenko to everyone who doesn't know anything about the Blues. Mm-hmm. We're that team. But like, what are we to fans, or yeah. what are we to teams in our division? What are we to the coach? Yeah, like the Winnipeg Jets are a high-flying, offensive-minded mm-hmm. team that used to, I think, be a little more of a grinder team, but now isn't as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chicago's still high-flying. I think Nashville's more of like a lockdown team yeah. that scores on you early and then keeps you there. Uh, Dallas, I don't know what Dallas is, I'll be honest. They're that, transitioning from a Jets to a Hitchcock, Yeah, so that's a weird Yeah, situation. maybe it's just something I don't want to see. Yeah. But like, I feel like I know what these teams yeah. kind of are. Avalanche even, young yeah. team with a lot of skilled forwards. 
kind of rebuild it. Yeah. You know, I mean, you kind of know where they're at. Yeah. Someone says Tarasenko's, you know, it's the team with Tarasenko. And if I start naming, you know, Schwartz and Shenley, okay, cool. And, but I start naming some other guys, I guarantee you they're like Saboka's on that team, like yeah. Berglund's on that team. And I'm not pinning anything on these guys, but it's like, what is that? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what that is. Mm-mm. Yeah, totally. Um, I think we've talked a lot about identity, and I think mm-hmm. it's one of the big things that the uh, Blues will have to decide on moving forward. I'm hoping it comes with some of our, I mean, some of our young guys. I would hope that it comes from the current locker room and they are able to figure it out and we get them a little more of a team playing for each other, too. Mm-hmm. But I do hope that with these younger guys, with a Kostin or a Kairou or a Thomas or even Thompson here and Barbashev, mm-hmm. we kind of get more of an identity and these guys sort of gelling together because I think we've sort of picked apart this iteration of the team and it's kind of just a weird unmatching jigsaw puzzle yeah a chimera of yeah sorts with, and not like a scary yeah. one no, this one's old and dying one. yeah exactly um <laughs> two of the positives i take away from the last few games of uh hockey that the blues have played <laughs> vladimir tarasenko I think it's kind of back on his horse uh, since he was it broke his five on five goalless streak uh, last. I think last week or the week before, yeah. he has eight points in seven games. I just think overall he looks much better. Um, you're still not seeing him necessarily had those games where he just steals the game mm-hmm. from the other team, but that's no one's role. Yeah, it can happen, you know. And I think people are like, "Well, the great players do." It's like. No, Alex Ovechkin can. Yeah. Sidney Crosby can, but that's not like the goal. That's what I mean. You know? I don't know <laughs> like, if you're ever like, this is your role. Yeah, Or exactly. I don't know if anyone expects that. Yeah, you're right. Um, so I don't think you can blame him for not carrying the entire time. And then I, I kind of feel bad for them, but both Tage Thompson and Ivan Barbashev have looked really good mm-hmm. uh, the last few games. Thompson, ever since he returned uh, from on uh, the 20th of December in Calgary, uh, from the minors, he's played eleven games. He scored five points, but I think that kind of doesn't he's really, looked really good. credit how great he's looked. Um, he's just moving all the time. He looks like he has chemistry with Stasny, as he mentioned. It's, he's doing a lot of the things uh, that we want to see everyone do. And I think one of the things he's really improved his game on, as there was an article on the Athletic that covered this, is just because of his range and his size. In terms of his height, he's 6'5". He's starting to realize that that's an advantage and like how to use that. For one thing, he doesn't have to be fast to... Yeah. <laughs> and it, I mean, not that he's slow, yeah. but he doesn't have to be like, you know, uh, Nile Yakupov, just like a lightning bolt down the ice to like gain people because his strides are so long, similar to Jay Bomeister. You know, he's not necessarily... He doesn't look like he's moving, and then he's just in the other end already. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and then just the other the other idea that he has a longer reach, and so he can be up against people and still have the puck yeah. a long distance from them. You know, so well, I've seen reach around guys and be able to like pick yeah. up their stick, yeah, get the puck from them, and turn the other direction real easily. Exactly. So he's looked great, and then I think Barbashev that has is the only player on this team that had a really phenomenal week. He had five points in the last three games, and he's looked like a totally reinvigorated player. 
Uh, so good to see them, but I, I feel like this happens to the Blues all the time, mm-hmm. where the other teams going, the the rest of the Blues yeah. have are going through the yearly stretch where they're just like kind of phoning it in and giving <laughs> up, and the young guys are like, no, come on, let's do this. Yeah. And it's like nobody's going over to tell them, and like, no, no, we're done. We're, we're, we're we'll done. Wait. You know, it's like, we're already taking the, sweat, the sweaters off. <laughs> we're going to Roost Chris for the night. Like, you guys, <laughs> you keep playing hockey. We're we're over here. So, um the final question, we've got a couple questions from Redditors that we're going to discuss, but the final sort of question uh, for the state of the Blue Union <laughs> uh, is th- with the week break mm. that started on Tuesday night and will extend till next Tuesday in Toronto, yep. um, do you think it came at the right time or the wrong time? And my equivocating answer is both. Both. <laughs> um, I think, oh, like, if we'd played, like, imagine if we'd played another back-to-back yeah. after the Florida game. We would have just been destroyed. So mm-hmm. we have to have some time to think and get our feet under us. Yeah. But at the same time, like, now they just have to sit there for a week and think about it. Yeah. And Jake, you're hoping he's getting his mental game back, but on the other hand, he could just be thinking about how sucky it's been lately, and if he's doing that, it's yeah. terrible, you know? So... It's good timing if they use it well, and it's bad timing if they don't. But what yeah. would you say? I would say I think more objectively it happened at the right time. Mm-hmm. They've needed this break after all these struggles. Yeah. Uh, subjectively, in my own opinion, I almost, I mean, I'm trying to bring up how I felt as I was watching these games because now we're a little more dialed back. Mm-hmm. But. I would rather that we didn't have this break. Let's get that back-to-back, another back-to-back out of the way. Let's lose both of them. Let's keep, like, keep the train rolling. If we're going to slide, let's just Yeah, slide. if we're yeah. going to slide, let's just go all in. I'm an all-in sort of person. I don't want that, like, just miss the playoffs. I want in or way out <laughs> because I just want to see. I think change is fun. But yeah. anyways, it's, what I would say is a question, though, is what do you think about who we start in Toronto as far as a goaltender. A, I would say you have you have decision the decision yeah. is wrong. But go on. <laughs> I would say yeah. No, I think you're right. Either decision's weird. But you have to st- you have to start Allen because he's your starter and you have to see how he rebounds. Yeah, if you really believe Jake Allen is your starter, if they're true to their word, yeah. they have to start him. The flip side of that argument is if you really believe you have to win the game in mm-hmm. Toronto and get your feet under you then how can you start yeah. Allen over Hutton right now? They can lose. You know, so. They can lose that game, but if it's a debacle like Florida, like oh my it's god, like I have no idea. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's going to be ridiculous. So if um, this was a Hitch era game, like I'd put two hundred bucks down that he'd be fired that yeah. Tuesday. I'm not saying that's going to happen to you or anything, no. but I'm just saying it'd be that big of a deal. Yeah, yeah, it can't be a debacle. Um, so speaking of that, real quick, the schedule coming up should be. A cupcake for the Blues. It won't be. But it should be. Uh, we're going to Toronto and Ottawa on Tuesday and Thursday for uh, two road games. Uh, but then we come home to host Arizona, Ottawa, Colorado, and Montreal. A good team could very easily go 6-0 and in that stretch. A good team would go no worse than like 4-1-1. and Yeah. 4-2 and two two. Yeah. on the worst end. So if the Blues go even 3-3 three and three in that stretch... We're starting to yeah. talk about missing the playoffs. I mean, the, real, realistically. Well, that's the thing. We've got 
46 games played. There's mm-hmm. a lot of teams in just our division that have, what, 43, 42. I think the Avs have, like, 41 mm-hmm. or something like that. If they went out, if a lot of these teams went out, which I know they won't, but they'll go you know, 50-50 and catch up with us. Maybe yeah. not by the end of our break, but at some point, obviously, they will. We're in a wild card spot. Mm-hmm. We're we're already slipping. If we slip, like you said, slip further, it might look fine in the standings because of how many games we played, but it is like not going to be okay. Yeah, agreed. And to that point, uh, Doug Armstrong, just with a quote to wrap this up, uh, he said, "The positive is that we were able to sustain a competitive level of play throughout our break. Through our break, I don't uh. know about that. <laughs> uh, we're going to be able to maintain a higher level of rest and stay fresher for each game. So I look at the glass half full that we got through the hardest part of our year in the sense of the most work in a decent spot and how we can use the rest to our advantage and maybe catch tired teams." Uh, and there, maybe. there is something to be said about the Blues having played more games than any other team. It's a detriment in the fact that we don't have the games in hand that other teams have. It's a positive in the fact that maybe that's some explanation for our struggles. Um, But if you can't play a lot of games in a row, then you're never going to win the playoffs anyway. So um, moving on from that, we uh, we went to Reddit this week because we thought this might be a short episode with uh, need for what, some extra What have we ever been right? Um, we never are. Uh, but uh, we had some good questions that I thought we'd address. Uh, we're going to address some next week. Uh, username creative underscore funny underscore name. I'm sure that's how they wanted it read. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> asked, uh, he asked us to do a lineup projection, uh, and we're going to cover that probably next week because with the, only the two games to cover, yeah. uh, it'll likely be a lighter week as i'm sure you know that's probably when we'll bust out the Tyler sagan trade oh yeah it'll be a three hour Uh, just haul (laughs) yeah uh but uh he uh also asked what our opinion on was was on trading from our prospects um we discussed that a little bit last week uh basically i think we're both in agreement that robert thomas is borderline untouchable yeah um Quim Costin and Jordan Cairo were both highly, 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 highly valued. Yeah. Um, and both either of us would hate to see a trade in, involve either of them unless it was a really good player on term. Yeah. And even then, kind of touchy. And then beyond that, we're kind of open to anything. Yeah. Uh, I like Billy Huso a lot, but if he can get a good deal done for a player on term, go for it. Um, we have a ton of depth right now, and that's to be used to our advantage. Uh, and then finally, uh, oh, at Pierre Lebrun made a comment. He said, never sleep on the Blues. Armstrong has his team contending yet again, and they've got a hole up front when he was talking about uh, the Blues discussing potential trade partners. And then finally, um, creative underscore funny <laughs> underscore name asked, uh, why do we not use analytics as much? He said, there's not a lot of analytics talk, stuff like expected goals, expected save percentage in Corsi. Uh, do you two not like analytics or do you think it is just too boring for podcast talk and would turn audiences away? For one thing, you did mention some earlier this year. True. These are pretty basic stats. There's a, uh, yeah. there's a couple answers to this, I think. Uh, one of the um, realistic answers, I would say, is that these stats can be pretty hard to come by uh, for hockey, and we are looking for reliable sources to get them, and we plan to discuss them more in the future. 
Um, mm. If this were a baseball podcast, We'd be I promised you I'd talk about war and ultimate zone rating and range rating and... I did a uh, I did a little paper in my stats class on that. Did you? Awesome. Um, and and I I love baseball metrics, um, but they're harder to find for a hockey. And the flip side of that coin is that I think hockey fans, and this is not to stereotype anyone, and all our audience is brilliant and knows <laughs> everything, but uh, the dialogue. Like the saturation of these statistics is not very high yet. So mm-hmm. if I mean, you teams start have only started now spitting using out coursier things, it's possible that your audience won't know that. And I don't think that's going to turn off an audience and send them away. But um, we want to make sure we're appealing to as many people as possible. So it's both. But the shortest answer is we do plan to use them yeah. more, I think, in the future. Would you, as our stat, our uh, prime statistician, like to add any comments to that? Oh, it's just it's just a personal story that I'm have a math major mm-hmm. because you would think, oh, very smart. No, because I have a math major, I'm very stupid. <laughs> um, but I do love analytics. I really do like where hockey's going with stats. It's uh-huh. never the full picture, almost like anything. But we would like Steve mentioned, really like to go into looking where we can get some of these and really, I guess, parse them a little bit more. A lot of what we find is like full season coursey yeah. and things like that, and I really want to find... And lots of times, not even this season. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. I want to find things that we can do like we did today, like since December 1st mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. So we'll, when we find them, we'll kind of move forward with that. With that said, uh, mm-hmm. if any of you know of good sources to get Oh, let those, us know. Hit us up. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us on Twitter. We'd be happy to hear it. Uh, sometimes we'll search for places to find them and like the websites will be dead or they're like really old like JavaScript things and I'm like how is this a website in 2017? Vote for Clinton that uh, says. So, so and not Hillary. Uh, so um, moving on from that uh, user Sasquatch WTF asks uh, do you think the Blues are going to make a run or try and trade off Stastny before the end of the year or what do you think we would offer to keep him even with his big contract. Uh, what's your answer on this? Since I answered the last one last first, I think you ain't your first. Your last. <laughs> when there's only two guys, it's true. It's true. <laughs> um, I don't think the Blues are going to fall out of playoff contention early mm-hmm. enough for them to sell Stasny. Is my thought. Yeah. And I would almost say if we do, if we just tank. Sell everybody. <laughs> I, I would say everyone's open, but because we've never really been in that position, it's hard for me to know what Doug Armstrong would do. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I don't know if you, like we've sort of said, would, would he have you know the cojones to just be like, okay, Stasny's gone, some other guys are gone. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure. So given all that, I think we keep him. And then I would think, I we had mentioned earlier that we thought at this time of this year, maybe if the season had been going a little bit better for the whole team, um, they might re-sign Stasny to mm. a little bit less for, I don't know, two or three years. Um, I think they're probably still going to try to. Maybe not while well, the season's going on. It might be in the summer. But I wouldn't give more than, I'm going to say, $5.5 million yeah. a year for him. I think six is fine-ish, but not, it's, uh, it doesn't quite sit well with me. So five and a half uh, per year for, I don't think 
we're going to be able to get it done at that, we'll call it low amount for him, uh, for anything that's going to say less than four years. So it's probably going to be five and a half Mm -hmm. for four years. I've heard people say they want him for four million a year for like two or three. You have to understand that this is, he's older. Everyone knows that too, but he knows this might be what might be considered like a final contract. Yeah. A final contract that means anything money wise. So he's going to want something. You maybe get him for four million if you give him like six years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, <laughs> you can know? go you can do that great old slider thing on NHL seventeen or eighteen where uh-huh. you just jack up those years <laughs> and you get him for two million a yeah. year. But you're yeah. saddled with him until he's forty three. So he's currently thirty two. I uh, hope he's thirty two when he signs. Um I agree unless so for instance, let's yeah. say we go one and five in the remainder of January against crap teams <laughs> after our break. <laughs> Then we're done. Like, we have to admit, this is one of the, we talked about it earlier, yeah. where it's like there's a difference between, oh, we could make the playoffs still, mm-hmm. and oh, we're a contender, yeah. you know? And I would like to see us have the honesty to be like, okay, so no, so not this <laughs> year, you know? <laughs> Just, yeah. And then maybe sell him, and even, you know, hometown guy, maybe you approach him and say, Paul, this is best for the team. Yeah. It's best for you to be on a contender. You know, that's more fun, yeah. especially at this point in your career. <laughs> uh, talk to us in the yeah. summer and maybe come back home or whatever. You Where are you going to go, Paul? You can play that P. Diddy coming home song. <laughs> Where are you going to go? Um, <laughs> no, but cur- so, so uh, there's a big difference, I did want to say, between the situation he's in mm-hmm. and the situation Kevin Shattenkirk was in last year only because Kevin Shattenkirk was a player that we had the in-house replacement for, so to speak, Mm -hmm. in Colton Pareko, and just a general depth of defensemen. We do not have a general depth of centermen. So we'd have to, I think we'd have to really collapse to the point of no hope for them to pull the trigger and Mm -hmm. trade him, even if I would maybe be fine with it. You know, I'd be fine with it now. I don't think this team has a great chance of contending for a cup, although stranger things have happened. Um, I'm right there with you. We didn't discuss it beforehand, but I was going to say 5.5 million. Um, And just kind of as sort of a a comparison, um, if we put him, if we got him at 5.5 million, he'd be tied for 38th among centers in the NHL with John Tavares, who will be being paid more than that (laughs) next year, Dave Boland, who should not be being paid that much, and (laughs) Bo Horvat. Uh, and then Micah Zibanejad and Jeff Carter and Franz Nielsen and Braden Shin uh, are all behind him. Um, Val Flip, Phil Pula, Tyler Johnson, Derek Broussard, Michael Grabowski all make five. And then Travis Zajac, Tyler Sagan, Mikhail Granlund, Brandon Dubinsky um, all make kind of upwards of mm-hmm. towards six. Um, that feels like a better range of names. Yeah. For him to be like, I think he's pretty comparable to a Bo Horvat. The thing is, if you're signing him for th- more than three years, certainly, yeah. then he's not going to be Bo Horvat in three years. Yeah. And he he won't be current Bo Horvat in three years, and he won't be the Bo Horvat of three <laughs> years for now. I think uh, Stasny's unfairly maligned. I think he's been better than he gets credit for. I think he hasn't been as good as his $7 million contract, but that was only ever a dream. And when you look at where he is now, I mean, he's still 15th um, 
David Krejci's getting paid more than him. Do you want to be paying David Krejci 7.2 to get, like, I, I would rather be paying Paul Stastny. Yeah. Uh, Henrik Sedin, different situation, but he's being $7 million a year. Jason Spetz is 7.5. I'd yeah. rather have Paul Stastny. And that was, they were both Ryan up the O'Reilly same Ryan 7.5. I'm not sure. I want. I don't want to be paying him that. I'll yeah. say that. I'd probably <laughs> still rather have him at that than Stasny because of his absurd face-off numbers and things. But Ryan Johansson's eight, which is just, I don't think that's right. We <laughs> talked about it at the time. So the, all that is to say, top paid centers are paid too much mm-hmm. to a man. I mean, Claude Giroux is 8.275. Leon Dreisaitl is 8.5. These are absurd, you know. <laughs> so... Um, I like Stastny. I'd love to see him back, but the number's got to be right. Yeah. And it's got to be considerably less than the $7 million he's making now. Um, 5.5, when I say that, that would be kind of max. Ideal would be closer to 5. Oh, flat. yeah, for sure. Um, but that's I, I don't see us not offering. He may decide to go somewhere else. It may be that situation where, like, back as he gets a you know another year or something that we're not willing to give him. But I don't think... If if we lose Paul Stastny, we can't just be like, okay, we're still fine now. Like that's all. Yeah, we're looking for something. Yeah. yeah. So, um, thank you both for those questions, and uh, you can always ask us questions on Twitter. Uh, we have one final segment, two final segments, I guess, <laughs> to wrap us up. Uh, the tweet of the week. Uh, we'll we'll do that as the penultimate segment because it's very short and it's fun and we want to end on a negative. <laughs> but um, no, uh, at Sportsnet tweeted after the Canadians junior team mm. won their gold medals. They tweeted how millennials celebrate a gold medal and it's uh, six or seven of the Canadian hockey players sitting in the locker room next to each other with their gold medals on. All staring down at their phones, <laughs> and it was just—it's just a fun picture. You can see it on our Twitter. And then finally, uh, the return—the long-awaited return, much asked for return of our segment five-minute major, uh, which for the unindoctrinated is just uh, five minutes—not uh, necessarily, <laughs> but a, a period we give where we clear the floor for one of us to just rant about something that infuriates them in <laughs> hockey. Uh, and this time, as opposed to times previous, it will be Ian doing the ranting <laughs> so ian i sincerely cede the stage to you sir i don't know why it it's, feels late and now i'm just like slap happy these people are gonna be like five minutes of ranting didn't i just listen to like an hour and a half of like you two ranting um we'll make this real quick because it's pretty simple and it happens every year it seems like whenever this team the blues specifically start losing i'll see on message boards or on twitter or even have friends that will tell me that former friends. Yeah, former <laughs> friend that will tell me that um, you know, defense looks bad, goaltending looks bad, everything looks bad. But the fans, the fans need to demand more from this team. That's the problem. That somehow this team that hasn't won a cup in fifty plus years, it's just been it's just been fans of them patting themselves on the back and the blues and say, That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. You can you can make the playoffs 23 years running, and that's fine with us. But I don't know who's saying that. I also don't know how fans affect the team in that way. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you vote by like just not going to the game or watching it or mm-hmm. making them lose revenue, really. That's pretty much it. And even then, I don't think they know what you want. Yeah. So the fact of the matter is I just hate when people will scapegoat 
basically everyone around them making it's the I'm one and alone on a hill going it's the fans I'm the one who's been demanding Doug Armstrong do this or that or I've seen people or say fired or whatever. Yeah, yeah like yeah we need to demand more and demand how it's the silliest argument it's someone that's very frustrated with the team mm-hmm. I understand but I always hate seeing it because I think like what do you want people to do mm-hmm. am I supposed to write my congressman that like Barbershev <laughs> needs to be traded immediately is yeah. Claire McCaskill going to come Ann in Wagner. Yeah. <laughs> is someone going to bust down Doug Armstrong's door and be uh-huh. like this is a cease and desist <laughs> Barbershev needs off this team now the fans demand it yeah and I mean it's so I mean it's beyond frustrating but let's talk about Toronto, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. have a similarly long Stanley Cup slump. Do you think the fan expectations in Toronto are low-key? Yeah. Do you think Maple Leafs' ownership is like, <laughs> no, nobody here wants the Stanley Cup. We're the, we're the birthplace of hockey. The Stanley Cup summers in Toronto, <laughs> where the NHL Hall of Fame is. But we don't want to hoist yeah. that thing ever. Like, what? What kind of absurdity? I mean, like you said, it really is just a way to pat yourself on the back and be mm-hmm. like, no, 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 I'm the right one. Yeah, They're all pa- passive, but I have the real passion. The reality is all of us want anyone who's a Blues fan at all, mm-hmm. and certainly anyone who regularly watches games and attends and buys jerseys, we all want a cup more than almost anything else in the mm-hmm. world. We may express that in different ways. We may, you know, if you support a team that is a second-round exit team, that yeah. doesn't make you a bad fan, you know? Mm-hmm. You can't, you're Okay, so they didn't jump ship to the Blackhawks. Does that make you a better Blues fan, weirdly? Is like, oh, I gave up on this team because they're never going to win a cup, and now I'm a Blackhawks That's fan. That's the thing. Like, people what? People <laughs> like know? will talk about it like that. Like, you know, this team's garbage. And I don't even know why I watch them or whatever. And, like, I'll, don't get me wrong, I'll I'll have those thoughts. (laughs) But it's just the thought that people will post or tweet about over and over again. That's like, look, if you hate the team so much, just leave. Yeah. Like, you know, don't let the door hit you on the way out. It's just, I don't know what people want from fans, and I hate reading it. And if we're going to, especially for a hockey podcast, because this Mm -hmm. is the only time we'll really talk about that, is that... It's something where talk about something constructively. Like right. I said, you can still do it with passion, and like we get heated in the heat of the moment too. But like, there's things if to talk you about. Haven't seen us or heard us at our most heated. Yeah, I promise you. <laughs> I mean, Twitter more than a podcast. Yeah, we're usually calmish on the podcast. But yeah. yeah. Uh, the thing. I mean, the thing, and this has been the coolest thing I think about doing the podcast. Yeah. It's just blues fan any fandom, but I feel especially with blues fan it's a community mm-hmm. you know they're the cool thing about being a blues fan in st louis is you're the little brother automatically like yeah. every blues fan has an inferiority <laughs> complex with a cardinals fan not that most of us aren't both but like yeah if you exactly. have if you really have a passion for the blues you're kind of like almost forced to defend it against cardinals love you know because yeah. like you can listen to the radio Today and there will be more, like dramatically more Cardinals coverage than Blues coverage in the middle of winter. So, like, uh, and that's been the coolest thing about doing the podcast is just being part of that community. Mm-hmm. All of our followers, listeners, we love all you guys. And if you want to support this team, 
you know, do passionately, yeah. but quietly, please do it. And please continue to listen to us and yeah. send us questions. If there's something you would like us to yell about on the podcast, you can have us do it. We'll do it. We'll be we'll your proxy. So uh, do you have anything else to add to that or? No, Just, my brain is so tired. Yeah, we've we've been going at this a while, folks. I'm sorry. <laughs> Eventually, we'll get the time on these right. It really, I mean, like last week was a pretty yeah. good week, and it was half as long an episode. <laughs> it's just when it's bad, it's more like there's more to ju- digest and vent mm-hmm. about. So if you've made it to this point, God bless you. <laughs> I mean, sincerely, you're amazing. We love you. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Two Guys No Cup with your thoughts on the show. Or uh, your thoughts on better ways to spend two hours and 15 minutes of your time. (laughs) Uh, Have an excellent evening. Please stay safe in the ice and snow if we have it. And good night. See ya.